Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Osama bin Laden did not enter. Hi, how are you? Well, uh, that is an interesting question, right? Um, I am uh, not high. And uh, that is one of President Biden's top priorities. Hey, Jen, I love your dress. Where'd you get it? Well, uh, that's a great question. And so um, your mom. Is that a serious answer? Well, uh, as I said before, um, your mom. And I don't think I have any more to add to my answer at this time. Hey, Jen, your husband called. He wants you to phone him at home. Wow, phone home. Check out E.T. over here. Hey, Jen, how's it going? How's it going? Okay, um, I know there's something on that in here. Oh, um, I could just get some toilet paper on your shoe. Okay, toilet paper? Um, I believe I did ask our team about this. No, you have some toilet paper um, literally on your so shoe. Much COVID stuff in here. You know what? I'm gonna have to circle back with you on that one when I have more information. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. A few moments later. to you your worst nightmare we've all been there you ran out of hair product and you used gorilla glue instead <laughs> and it turned your beautiful luscious mane into a hard candy shit hi i'm denzel commode and i'm latrice commode and if this has happened to you you are not alone and this is not your fault 
and you are not dumb. Fact. Every day, as many as one people fall victim to using Gorilla Glue in place of a beauty product, and they deserve compensation. We all do. You should not have to go through life with hair like a Lego man. Because one time you used Gorilla Glue instead of Dax Wave Grease. We will get you monies for Gorilla Glue or the next best thing. A lifetime supply of Gorilla Glue. But don't just take our word for it. My name is Chantel. I ran out of leave-in conditioner, so I reached for the next best thing, Gorilla Glue. Seems harmless, right? Well, it was not. And before you jokers on the internet say I should have read the damn label, I did. It just says really strong glue and dangerous. That could mean anything, Gorilla Glue. You got to pay. Oh, and they will. Or my name isn't Denzel Tyrese Camote. It's a mistake that can happen to anybody. Like brushing your teeth with Preparation H. Or putting on floor wax, because you was ashy. Who among us? Fact. Big Gorilla is a multi-billion dollar industry, and we deserve half. Or double. Here's somebody else. My name is Darius. I use Gorilla glue under my durag so it wouldn't slip off at night when I'm doing my girl. Now imagine my surprise when it wouldn't come off at all. I mean, what the heck? I got a thing at a wedding in like four days. Ooh, we come. Uh-huh, this my shit. All the girls stomp your feet like this. Few times you've been around that joke, so it's not just gonna happen like that. Cause it ain't no Circle back. Girl, ain't no Circle back. Few times you've been around that joke, so it's not just gonna happen like that. Cause it ain't no Circle back. Girl, ain't no Circle back. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast, the 17th of February. Decided to start with some comedy, and I had all these stacked up. Thought it was super funny. And then I was going to hold this for later, but this had to be the most hilarious segment I have seen on TV. And it even promoted me to tweet, which I usually don't anymore, because if you tweet your opinion... You're done. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to... I mean, you know how it's going right now. We're just canceling like crazy. By the way, we're going to cover impeachment, COVID policies, and the media today. Not funny stuff. I'll try to be funny like the old podcast. Because I did notice listening to a couple because we've been snowed in here like really bad. So we're going to start with winter storm weather stuff that's just been insane. But, long story short, um, I used to be funny, but I'm not. I'm just really angry because it's just so hard to watch all this stuff. But last night's TV segment on Tucker Carlson, just the intro, and I I got Tucker Carter Carter segments today because he was covering the stuff I was covering, and it was good segments, and I'm trying to go back to, hey, this is supposed to be... uh, independent conservative show and we're going to be coming from a more conservative but I end up with the media aspect of this show just putting out and giving more air to assholes to hypocritical jackasses who hate me I mean they hate everything about me so I don't know why I put them on my show but I do but so I'm, I'm trying to use Tucker other conservative sources to try to come up with a more you know make the point but not give air time to idiots And he comes out, just straight fire last night. And it was hilarious. So I jumped on Twitter, and I tagged 
SNL. Because that's all they do is political comedy. Colbert, every night show, every every cool person show is now anti-Republican, anti-conservative, anti-pro-life, anti-anti-anti. But they're mean and they're not funny. It's just not funny. This was freaking hilarious. I mean, even if you hate Trump, the way he goes about this whole thing, making points and being funny is really, really good. We spend an awful lot of time in the show night after night trying to explain what is happening to our country. And it's depressing a lot of the time because the answer is always the same. America is not rotten. It's a great place. The people who run it are rotten. So you've been betrayed by the people who lead you, and that's why things are so volatile. What you're looking at is a crisis of our institutions. Our institutions are corrupt. Some of them are collapsing. We say that a lot because it's true, but we should be more precise. Not all of our institutions are the same. Some of them are bad. Some of them are awful. But looming above the rest is the worst of all, and that's the news media. They're the most corrupt. How corrupt is the news media? Imagine a drunken teenage border guard at the crossing between Togo and Burkina Faso, shaking you down at midnight as you pass through. The New York Times is much more corrupt than that. The media are more crooked than Jimmy Hoffa ever was. They're more dishonest than your average bribe-taking building inspector in Queens. They're more treacherous than the mafia. They make cops in Tijuana look trustworthy. You'll get a fairer treatment from an inner-city DMV than you would from CNN. Ask Nick Sandman. We could go on. Words can barely express the truth of it. Watching the news on television makes you question the system itself. In what version of, quote, meritocracy could someone like Chuck Todd get rich and famous? Dumb and conventional now passes impressive? It's insulting. But rather than be insulted, we've decided to pause for a moment and look at it a different way. Yes, the news media are profoundly dishonest. All of us lie from time to time. That's the human condition. But imagine if lying was your job. Imagine forcing yourself to tell lies all day about everything in ways that were so transparent and so outlandish that there is no way the people listening to you could possibly believe anything you said. Then imagine doing that again and again and again every day of your professional life for your entire life. Could you do that? If you could, CNN has an opening on the media analysis desk. Call them immediately. But if you're a non-sociopathic normal person, the answer obviously is no, you could not do that. You could never lie like that. So you've got to kind of respect the people who can. They're like Olympians in reverse. They achieve feats so dishonorable that you gasp in horror as you watch them. But at the same time, you've got to respect those skills. Take a look at these gold medalists in duplicity and ask yourself as you watch, could you say something like this with a completely straight face about Kamala Harris? She's incredibly successful and she does everything professionally with the utmost integrity. Kamala Harris is independent, successful, strong, but she's also a devoted wife and she's not ashamed of that. And I would say that her performance as a running mate uh, was, was flawless. I mean, other than Barack Obama in my career, I've not seen anybody really who came in with that kind of raw material. In the, she fits the moment in such a powerful way. She is what every working woman strives to be. Of course, she's flawless. Kamala Harris is everything women want to be. False, hollow, cunning, consumed with political power, really a model for your daughters. Make that woman vice president.
And so they did. And on the night they did, they celebrated. In fact, celebration might be too mild a word. What happened on cable television that night is typically, and by law in a lot of places, confined to bedrooms and other private spaces. But that night they did it in public, and they were proud of it. Here was primetime over on CNN. How you feeling? <sighs> it's, I, I almost can't talk right now because of the emotion. Everyone is welcome under this tent. We don't care who you are. We don't care if you voted for us or not. You're all part of this American experiment. It was, I was so overwhelmed to hear that. I don't care what people think, if they think I'm biased or not, if what, I don't care. And so I'm very emotional. So when you ask me how I'm feeling right now, I'm sorry. That's all I can tell you. This is how I feel right now. I am so happy to have this platform to be able to do this. I may not have it after this, but I really don't care. I am so happy. Everyone is welcome under this tent. They're all invited except the white supremacists and the QAnon people and anyone else who disagrees with anything we say, they're all going to jail. But the rest are more than welcome to stay and obey our commands. It was that kind of night, festive, good-hearted, magnanimous. Months later, as the inauguration neared and the Biden family made its victorious procession into the capital city, the mood lifted even higher. I have chills, wrote one editor at the New York Times. She was feverish with joy. CNN rousted its poet laureate from lunch and led him to the set to commemorate this moment. Here's the sonnet he wrote for the occasion. Those lights that are, that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. Not everyone is as poetic as David Chalian, the man you just saw. That's why he's CNN's political director. An ordinary journalist might not even have noticed that Joe Biden's arms are like twin beams of light shooting forth from the reflecting pool, embracing America as a mother embraces a child. No, an ordinary journalist might simply have described Joe Biden's arms as toned and tawny and redolent of musk and saddle leather. Not everyone is David Chalian, but not everyone needs to be David Chalian. The thing about journalism is it's not an individual achievement. It's about the group. In journalism, it's the collective spirit that matters like synchronized swimmers or certain species of insects, journalists move together in concert as a herd, if you will. When Joe Biden writes a talking point, they repeat it, not just a few of them, but all of them in precisely the same way. Think of reporters as the North Korean gymnastics team celebrating Kim Il-sung Day in a soccer stadium in Pyongyang. They move as one. Watch this clip, for example. Members of the press corps inform you that this new group of politicians in Washington is very different from any other group of politicians in all of human history. Unlike the rest of them, these people are committed to something called the truth. President Joe Biden making it clear his administration will be nothing like his predecessors with a focus on truth, science and transparency. A commitment to clarity, transparency, science and truth. A return to normalcy as the Biden administration vows truth and transparency now. As the Biden White House vows transparency and truth when sharing information with the American people, what does that mean? We're going to talk about it. As this White House promises to bring truth and science back to the White House. It's getting back to the truth and valuing the truth. Getting back to the truth, valuing the truth. Now there's a refreshing concept. Who does that remind you of, by the way? We don't have patriarchal here, but if we're being totally honest, that sounds a lot like dad. A little blunt sometimes, but honest, a straight shooter, 
solid, reliable, steady. That's Joe Biden. Above all, Joe Biden's a family man. Took the train back to Wilmington every night to the 10,000 square foot estate a campaign donor bought for him in exchange for unregistered lobbying on behalf of credit card companies. Biden's not like the last guy. Joe Biden's family is refreshingly normal. There aren't any weird sex scandals or protracted drug problems or ongoing criminal investigations you've got to worry about. Want to know what the Bidens are doing this weekend? A recent headline in Newsweek will tell you, quote, Joe Biden wins in Mario Kart race against granddaughter at Camp David. It's wholesome stuff like that, not secretly lobbying for China, not impregnating strippers from Arkansas. No, they're playing Mario Kart with the grandkids, just like you. And at the heart of this great American family is a love story. One man, one woman, and the fires of passion that changed the course of our history. Not since Anthony dined with Cleopatra in downtown Antioch, before they killed themselves, obviously, has a country witnessed a love story as moving and poignant as Jill and Joe's. No, ladies and gentlemen, Jill Biden is not Joe's caretaker. She isn't his nurse. She's his fully equal romantic partner. Together, they are like besotted teens. Yet at the same time, they are the wise and knowing parents of a nation. As a headline from Politico on Valentine's Day put it, quote, historians and relationship experts agree. The first couple's romantic gestures aren't just genuine, they're restorative. So it's official. The Biden's affection is totally real. It's in no way part of a slick PR campaign devised by cynical consultants determined to hide the president's senility by misdirection. <laughs> Not at all. Their love is as real as climate change. The political story begins this way, quote, on a mission to rebuild institutional norms and help heal a hurting nation, Joe and Jill Biden are trying something novel after four years of the Trumps, a little tenderness. That's right, America, a little tenderness. The Biden's love is like medicine. It's more powerful than the COVID vaccine and you only need one injection. Watch Dr. Joy Reid prescribe a whole lot more of it. What a story though, what a great love story between Jill Biden and Joe Biden. It's just a different kind of marriage. The, this is a, a love match like the Obamas were. So I think that'll be healing for the country too. Yeah, it will be. The Biden's love will be healing for this country. It'll make us whole again. It might even stop looming hyperinflation and keep the Chinese Navy from clo closing the South China Sea to international shipping. That's the kind of love it is. When you've got a love like that, it emits a magnetic tug. People can feel it. They seek you out like pilgrims to bask in your healing rays. Here was the scene on the White House lawn just this weekend as reporters from across the region threw down their crutches and approached America's reigning apostle of love, hoping to graze the hem of his garment and be healed. How do you extend that love story to the American people that are feeling so down right now, so discouraged? Joan, there is hope. There's hope. You just have to stay strong. Just lifted your spirits. <laughs> I hope you never come out this way when it was so damn cold. <laughs> Next time, bring us coffee too. <laughs> That's true. I wasn't sure you'd all be here, but we'll be here. I love your dogs. I'll bring the donuts next Friday if you come back. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I apologize here. I didn't, I didn't have a taste. I, I didn't I'm even sorry, I didn't Lord. even have a taste. Here, come on. I promise you. I, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't have my mask. I give you my word. I didn't have any. Well, thank you. I appreciate okay. it. I'll bring donuts. I love your dog. And above all, how can your love heal this nation? We don't know the answer to that question. We're not Brit Hume. That is some funny-ass shit. And it covers all the stuff I covered in our last two podcasts, but it did it in a comedic way. So my mantra going forward is to go back to just mocking. 
Um, I used to mock. I used to not take this stuff so seriously. It's been tough lately, because personally, like everybody else, life sucks. I mean, let's be honest. You either have a job you don't want or you don't have a job. There are no jobs. The economy's garbage. Everything you get now costs more. And with Biden, gas is going up. And electricity's going up. And everything's going up. And it's just so fucking depressing. I mean, once again, you have to defend the notion that you voted for a guy who's an asshole. Unpresidential. Just so you wouldn't have a worse life. And you're treated like garbage by friends because of it. I mean, conservative friends treat me like garbage. Liberal friends treat me like garbage. I'm garbage human because I wanted Trump to win because I didn't want this. I mean, we are just living shit right now. It's just going to get worse. Guns, everything. Today's show is fucking depressing. But Tucker's inspired me. I used to make it funny. I haven't. It's going to be hard to do this first second segment funny because I got to be quite honest. You know, up to 4.3 million people didn't have power. I mean, you see these graphics here. Here. The downtown cities in Texas had power, but people didn't. And then you have these lefties mocking it. Raise your hand if you're in a blue state. It's real cold. Your lights and heat are on. And then the whole world is saying, hey, dude, man, it's California. Texas is now California. A climate official says people who heat their homes will need to have their will broken in order to combat climate change. You racist motherfucker wanting to stay warm in the fucking cold. You son of a bitch. I mean, really. It's it's in the article. It's not a makeup. I know one thing that we found in our analysis and the 60% of our emissions come from residential heating and vehicles. God damn you for wanting to go someplace. Uh, David Ismay from Massachusetts, Undersecretary for Climate Change. There it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another climate person. Live in your fucking cave while I fly my private jet. Sounds good. During a virtual meeting with the Vermont Climate Council, let me just say that again. 60% of our emissions that need to be reduced come from you, the person on your street. The senior on the fixed income, those fucking sorry fuckers eating cat food with a space heater. Right now, there's no bad guy left, at least in Massachusetts, to point the finger at, turn the screws on, and now break their will so they stop emitting. That's you. We have to break your will. We can't have no offshore wind, no transmission, no solar, and have clean energy, said. Something has to give. There has to be some mechanism. We trust to find a place to site transmission line. It's frightening to think an official so high up in Massachusetts, Governor Charlie Baker's administration, is bragging to out-of-state groups about the economic pain he wants to inflict on the very people who he's supposed to work for. Paul Craney, a spokesman for MFA, told Commonwealth Magazine, Remarks like this have no place in state government. Ismay should be dismissed from his position in state government. And he's clearly demonstrating he does not have the best interest. No, he doesn't. None of them do. They don't want you. They want... No! <clears throat> this is why for years I said the real fascists are the left. They want to tell you how to literally live. Freeze in your house and shut the fuck up. Brandon Friedman. Roads in Dallas are snowy and icy, and the government's telling me to stay home or I might die. 
but this is infringing on my freedom, and we need to keep the economy open. I will drive the speed limit on untreated overpasses because I refuse to live in fear. Usually stay out of my mentions because it's a garbage fire, but the replies to this tweet are really great. Momo, yeah, one day the government's suggesting you stay home is exactly the same as 10 fucking months. But you know, never fucking let a crisis go to waste. So, what the media's not doing, of course, because they wouldn't do it, it's not with the agenda of we're all going to die in eight years and a few, I don't know what AOC said, I, I, it it went from 12 to like seven days or so. It's like the day after tomorrow. It, she is that dude in there. And they got it all wrong on the climate model. And we're dying tomorrow. We're all just going to walk out of our houses and freeze solid. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> these people don't want to talk about the true point, which is Texas took 25% of his goddamn fucking grid and put it in renewables. Wind turbines don't work when they're frozen. Neither do solar power panels because it's covered in snow. Happy Monday. Well, the Green New Deal has come, believe it or not, to the state of Texas. And we're here with the report. How's it working out so far? Well, the good news is all that alternative energy seems to have had a remarkable effect on the climate as intended. Last night, parts of Texas got to temperatures that we see in Alaska. In fact, they were the same as they were in Alaska. So global warming is no longer a pressing concern in Houston. We've solved that problem. The bad news is they don't have electricity. The windmills froze, so the power grid failed. Millions of Texans woke up this morning freezing. There was no heat, no traffic lights, no cell service. Schools closed, cars crashed, hospitals canceled surgeries. In Fort Worth, people had to boil their water because with no electricity, it couldn't be purified. The ironically named Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which oversees the grid, had no solution to any of this. They simply told people to stop using so much power to keep warm. So in Houston, hundreds of shivering Texans headed to the Civic Center like refugees to keep from freezing to death. Some people in Texas almost certainly did freeze to death today. That's what happens when it gets that cold. Later this week, we'll learn just how many more were killed by carbon monoxide poisoning as they tried to keep warm with jury-rigged heaters and barbecues and car exhaust. That happens every time. When the power goes out, even advanced societies become primitive and dangerous. People die. We've seen it happen repeatedly in California for years now. Rolling blackouts in a purportedly first world state that is slipping steadily into chaos. But in Texas? Who saw that coming? And not just because Texas is mostly Republican. If there's one thing you would think Texas would be able to do, it's keep the lights on. Most electricity comes from natural gas, and Texas produces more of that than any place on the continent. There are huge natural gas deposits all over Texas. Texas is an oil and gas state, famously. Running out of energy in Texas is like starving to death at the grocery store. You can only do it on purpose. And Texas did. Rather than celebrate and benefit from their state's vast natural resources, Politicians took the fashionable route and became recklessly reliant on so-called alternative energy, meaning windmills. Fifteen years ago, there were virtually no wind farms in Texas. Last year, roughly a quarter of all electricity generated in the state came from wind. Local politicians were pleased by this. They bragged about it like there was something virtuous about destroying the landscape and degrading the power grid. 
Just last week, Governor Greg Abbott proudly accepted something called the Wind Leadership Award, given with gratitude by a company getting rich from green energy. So it was all working great until the day it got cold outside. The windmills failed like the silly fashion accessories they are, and people in Texas died. A lot more of them than died at the Capitol on January 6th, by the way, just for reference. Now, we're telling you all of this not to beat up on the state of Texas. It's a great state, actually. But to give you some sense about what's about to happen to you, to every state, and we're not speculating on that, here's the new president explaining his plan. In my view, we've already waited too long to deal with this climate crisis. We can't wait any longer. Uh, that's why I'm signing today an ex executive order to supercharge our administration's ambitious plan to confront the existential threat of climate change. It is an existential threat. Just reading the script. Climate crisis, existential threat, ambitious plan. You hear those phrases a lot, and you'll notice that they are all suspiciously non-precise. So what do they mean for you? Well, they mean higher energy prices for starters. Gas is already up, in case you haven't noticed. Electricity will follow. Higher costs hurt the weakest. Inflation always does. But it's worse than that. Green energy inevitably means blackouts. And someday that may change as technology progresses. But as of right now and the current state of technology, that is true. Green energy means a less reliable power grid, period. It means failures like the ones we're seeing now in Texas. That's not a talking point. It's not a political slogan. We're not taking money from ExxonMobil to say it. Again, that is true. It's science. So, of course, they're denying it. Here's a new climate czar taking a quick break from spewing carbon in his private jet to lecture the rest of us about a topic he personally knows nothing about, private sector jobs and how more windmills are going to generate tons of them. And the president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are cleaner. That I mean, you know, you look at the consequences of black lung for a miner, for instance, and measure that against the fastest growing job in the United States before COVID was solar power technician. And similarly, uh, you have uh, the second fastest growing job pre-COVID was wind turbine technician. This is happening. This is happening. So hear us, please, America's must mistreated working class. John Kerry has a plan for you. Settle down. John Kerry's here. Now, the old plan, you'll remember, was coding. They were going to learn to code. All the guys in pickup trucks were going to run the Internet after we sent their jobs to China. That was the plan. Learn to code. Guys in T-shirts. In the end, of course, we just imported people from China to code. So that didn't actually happen. But John Kerry has another idea. High school educated rural people are going to be wind turbine technicians. So what they used to do with transmissions, whatever it is that was, they're going to do with windmills. Put bearings in them or lube them or something. So everybody wins. Now, it's possible that John Kerry actually believes that. Maybe he's never been within 20 feet of a wind turbine. Possible. He definitely doesn't live near one. They don't have wind farms in Aspen or Martha's Vineyard, and they're not getting them. John Kerry himself once fought to keep wind farms out of sight of his summer house on Nantucket. Well, that's hypocritical, you might say. Yeah, obviously. But it's not surprising. People who support wind farms, as a rule, live very far from wind farms. People who live near wind farms have a totally different view. And why wouldn't they? 
How would you like a massive power plant in your backyard, humming and buzzing and chopping up birds? That's what a wind turbine is. If you're ever in rural America, go see one for yourself. You'll be shocked by how awful it is once you get up close. Your first thought may be, this is supposed to be good for the environment? Wind farms are one of those ideas you can only support if you don't know too much about them. And maybe that's why there's never been mass popular support for them. No large group of citizens has ever demanded that some Goldman Sachs-backed company destroy the natural environment with Chinese-made windmills that don't work when it's cold out. Wait, more expensive and much less reliable? Ugly, inefficient, and made by people who hate us, and we can kill endangered species? I'd like some of that. In fact, make it a double. No one anywhere has ever said that. But it doesn't matter because green energy is the ultimate inside game. A tiny number of people profit from it, from government subsidies and regulated prices. Everyone else gets a moral lecture about climate change. And anyone who complains about any of it gets called a Nazi by Cory Booker. Watch. There's a lot of people now that are blowing back on the Green New Deal. They're like, oh, it's impractical. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's all of this. If we used to govern our dreams that way, we would have never gone to the moon. And when the planet has been in peril in the past, who came forward? to save Earth from the scourge of, of Nazi and totalitarian regimes. We came forward. Oh, it's impractical, mocks a guy who's literally never had a job. <laughs> Except your windmills, bigots. He's so right. I mean, it, it, it's all true. I, I read an actual study on it done by real scientists, not the right. Wind turbines are, after you compute all the maintenance, the vehicles to haul it, the fact the shit goes to, you know, uh, a fucking dump and just sits there and doesn't decompose because it's fucking fiberglass. The amount of birds it kills and the little amount of power it does give. Yeah. Maybe in England where they're really small and they put them in the ocean and it doesn't take up land it works. But it's a blight and it doesn't work when it gets super fucking cold. I'm sorry. I mean, you can't expect people to freeze. This is my backyard. That's four inches of shit. I'm getting four inches today. <clears throat> I got a four by four. I can go anywhere I want to, but I, I got to be quite honest. I'm not. Because even down here with some plows, the roads are really bad. And there's really no reason to go out. I'm, I'm looking for a reason because I love driving in the fucking snow. Tomorrow I will. Even if I have to just go get a big gulp, an emergency big gulp for the wife, I'll do it. Because I literally love driving in this shit. But we have plows. I mean, if you watch the Weather Channel, motherfuckers don't have plows. They got snow where they never get snow. And of course, I could sit here and spend the whole show on the myriad of articles from the left now. I mean, I'm sorry, the media that this is part of global warming. No, it's not. You, you know, the, the problem with the global warming is you guys are fucking idiots. You want to make it all political. It has nothing to do with the planet. Paris Accord was a joke. The only people that kind of applied to it was us until Obama got out of office. Paris themselves didn't even do it. But we have lowered our emissions all our cars are coming in at way better than they were. We've done a lot of renewables. I mean, there's just a limit for a modern society that you can't go any lower <clears throat> on fossil fuels. I mean, I, a lot of arguments from people 
I've seen lefties do it. I don't know why we're not natural gassing. Natural gassing. If everybody was using natural gas right now, we'd be a lot better off. Natural gas cars are dangerous as fuck, but they can drive for fucking ever, and it's really cheap, renewable, and we have enough for the rest of their fucking eons. But they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to make this politics. And they lose the argument because you started with global cooling when I was a kid. Then it became global warming. Now it became climate change. And now you're saying cooling is part of warming. It's a stupid argument that people are just going to mock you for. I'm not saying there isn't climate change. Talked about the show about a billion fucking times driving from Sacramento to Portland. It doesn't look the same. Some of it's deforestation from logging. A lot of it's just the fucking climate. It's bad. But when you find core samples like Mr. Dude did in The Day After Tomorrow, which is all that's that portion was based on truth, this is a natural occurrence that's happened in the span of the earth. And we heat, we cool, that's what we do. But right now, the Atlantic current is not going to, the Atlantic, was it, exchange? Is it going to stop? And we're all not going to freeze to death. It's just a big bunch of cold got down because it hasn't for a while. We've had mild winters, and now we have a big winter. But it put a glaring eye on renewables because everything stopped fucking working. So, to the impeachment. I don't know. I got so many sound bites. I probably won't play them all because it's just a lot of shit. A lot of funny came out of it. They were they were saying, uh, like the Babylon Bee did argument, uh, article that literally showed uh, Trump increasing in power because of his second impeachment. It was just some funny shit. They had this article. In mail-in impeachment votes, Senate convicts Trump 8,275 to 3 because everybody's just mocking it. Um, But things that have come out that just make this so fucking... It, it, it just shows the hypocrisy and everything. California suddenly pushes for strict signature match. For Gavin Newsom recall. But signatures are bad. You're fucking racist if you're asking for signatures. You're just a fucking gay, gay, gay member. Byron York. In the last three impeachment, it's been common for Democrats' media culturati to threaten Republicans with revenge and long-lasting recriminations. In Bill Clinton's impeachment, Princeton historian Sean Wiltz famously told GOP, history will track you down and condemn you for your craveness. In fact, GOP went on to win a house in 98, 2000, 2002, 4, and 6 for reasons entirely unrelated to Clinton impeachment. Similar and less ornate threats were made against Republicans in the first Trump impeachment, but what was remarkable was how little impeachment just months earlier factored in the 2020 election results. The House lost seats. Now, after the second impeachment, more threats on track. Trump acquitted Republican to end of the earth. One Hollywood director vows to devote rest of his life to political eradication of the un-American GOP senators who chose to acquit. My life now is the plan. This is Billy Ray. The political eradication of the un-American GOP. Time, money, energy, everything. Maybe this time will be different, but emotions are high now. It's time they cool for most people, if not the most ardent resistance and, uh, and aftermath of this impeachment will likely be similar to 06. Uh, I, I'm putting up Omar right now because, let's be honest, that piece of fucking Islamist shit should be impeached, but she's not. She married a fucking brother. She falsified immigration for fuck's sake. Nobody cares. 
And then you got this work of art. Look at this. Another picture I found on the internet. I just think it's funny. PSA, everyone must go after every senator and vote and not guilty. Go after every single aspect of their lives. Scream at them at airports. Call their homes at 3 a.m. Show up at their offices. But Trump's rhetoric, goddammit, his rhetoric caused a riot. Hmm. Post thirdly, it's clear that a wing of the GOP, including Cheney, Haley, Murkowski, Sass, Cassidy, Romney, and others, believe the Trump voter base will abandon him and they will take the party back. So are they correct? The answer is no. Across the board, it has been no, no, no. Uh, there's so much shit in here. Uh, here's Lindsay. Kamala Harris should be impeached when GOP retake the House. Trial was a complete joke. Hearsay on top of hearsay, and we've opened Pandora's box for future presidents. And we use this model, I don't know how Kamala Harris doesn't get impeached or Republicans take over the House because she actually bailed out rioters. She actually did. They went back to do more crimes. WAPO fact checker right on time spins Camilla Harris donating to bail fund. Ted Cruz drops him with reality check. One of the points made very well from Trump defense team during the impeachment trial was how Democrats trying to go after Trump for allegedly inciting words July 6th when they themselves have said and done actual inciting. And I won't play the stuff because we've done it. And you've seen the t- stuff with her literally tweeting, get the bail fund. As of Wednesday, the bail fund Camilla Harris tweeted that helped bail out an alleged child rapist is still accepting donations. This is from September 16th. It includes her picture and slogan from her presidential campaign. So how did the Washington Post fact checker interpret this when Republicans and others Americans looked at that and said quite reasonably that she's raising money to help get people arrested during the riots out? It's complicated, Kessler claimed fact-checking the statement by Tom Cotton that Camilla Harris helped violent rioters. Kessler admits that the fund did bail out a number of people charged with violent crimes, and that Lionel Timms, who was bailed out on assault charge in July after the donation drive from Harris and others in June, did allegedly go on to commit another very serious assault with traumatic brain injury. Oh well, just kind of happens sometimes. Kessler fact-checked in September, which he was referenced, now basically says that most folks go out without really needing bail or help from the fund, which, of course, doesn't change. Most most folks got out without the fund because they just let them go. But we need to kill everybody who doesn't think the riot was the worst thing ever. They all need to go to jail and be reprogrammed. But he just admitted, like I've said on the show, 10,000 motherfuckers got arrested. Most of them got released. They burn shit, beat people, oh, fucking well. Do the fucking murder that dude that was in the impeachment on the street, kicking him in the face? They never did anything to that person. Nobody's been arrested. He died, but it's okay. He's probably a white supremacist. He actually was gay, but no, he's a white supremacist. No, he was just there walking by. No, he's fucking part of the Proud Boys. No, no, he was, he was just there. He was just a dude that got beat the fuck down. They do it all the time, but we don't have anybody doing long articles about Antifa like we're doing the obscure Proud Boy and the kooks in QAnon. Yeah, QAnon, so bad. I'm not gonna. They're going. Cruz dogged him, but th- this is literally what they do. They will protect their own. They will just protect their own. They always will. That's what our media does. Uh, then they got pissed off because he tweeted. Um, 
The Babylon Bee, Disney Post job ad looking for strong, fierce women who are also obedient and submissive and docile. I wish this was a parody. The quality of supposed smart blue check marks pundit, reporter, activist types on Twitter who didn't get your point here is terrifying. They went after him. Everybody. It was like trying to get him removed from Twitter because he sarcastically retweeted a sarcastic article. Then we get, before I start playing stuff, hypocrisy on full display in Biden White House after staffer threatened journalists. Let's just break this down, okay? I'm trying to get these up front so I don't miss it. A lot of Americans don't know because the media doesn't even want to cover this story. And why it's a huge story is the fact that Biden got up there and they all crowed he was going to have accountability and truth. It's all about truth. It's truth. It's truth. I could play a montage that I found of them talking to the media glowingly about Biden truth. Well, on Inauguration Day, okay? Oh, I know. I, know, I got to get the blind off. Sorry, I got a haircut. Um, <clears throat> this guy threatened the girl. They knew she was date. he was dating a person from the staff a lot longer before that. Nobody released it. But then the story broke. And on Inauguration Day, he then threatened, threatened the political lady. So that was the 21st of January. It took all the way to next last week, which is three weeks later, to find out he threatened her. And then it took a week after they looked bad in the press, well, not in the press, with Twitter, right-wing Twitter, and then they forced him to resign. It's a story... Because you ran your cock trap saying how you're going to be so above what the last administration's done. Yet, up to date, you're worse than the last administration on executive orders. You're worse on conduct. You're worse on truth and reporting and openness. You're, you're worse on fucking everything. You, you're just doing the damn two-step because you're allowed to by the complicit liberal media. And, and even with covid vaccines that we'll get to. You're just blaming the guy in front of you, and it's a lie. It's just a fucking lie. But they can get away with it because never-Trumpers, fucking Democrats, they don't care. It was never about facts with Trump. The fact is, you just hated Trump. So, even though Warp Speed was a good program, it was garbage because Trump's name was... I remember when we covered on the show, people didn't even want to take the, the inoculation because Trump came up with the inoculation. It was under his time. So we really don't know if it worked. And now you're a racist piece of shit that needs a passport if you don't take the motherfucker. But we're not going to point that out. I mean, we're the media. We're just here to go look how good they are. Um, <clears throat> on the spot, not so much. T. and Adams calls Jen Psaki out, pretending Biden admin led by example with Ducklow. Jen Psaki on T.J. Ducklow's resignation over the weekend claims the president leads by example and that Ducklow quitting was the right path forward. He's no longer employed here. T. Czar Beckett-Adams. The White House did exactly nothing about Ducklow until it became public knowledge. And even then it gave him only a slap on the wrist after that Ducklow resigned. Not sure how any of this reflects well on the guy who said he'd fire subordinates on the spot. Those are his words. His words. But this is what we do. And I prepped those little articles to get into the beef of impeachment. Trump's rally was wrong. 
He shouldn't have been there on that day. Not saying he should. But we've had proof since the beginning. This is a manufactured story. New York Times issues a correction regarding Officer Brian Sisnick's death. It has now come to light he died of a stroke. He was never hit with anything. Natural causes. So now we have either suicide or natural causes, except for the one lady that was trampled for everybody that died. Nobody was armed. The New York Times wrote a false story. The rest of the media ran with it. The Democrats then impeached on it. This is exactly what Nancy Pelosi said three years ago. You leak it to the press. The press run with it. Then you have proof that there's something out there. You can get the, the, the law enforcement involved. We played it on the show. Those are her exact words. That's how you do it. She said it on open mic because she can. Because nobody cares. There's no accountability for lefties lying. There's no accountability just for making shit up. I mean, you bring up Benghazi during Obama, you're a racist fucking piece of shit. But here, nope, we're good. Molly Hemingway spots more evidence of media ongoing desperation to satisfy their Trump addiction. Wolf Blitzer, the Trump trial is over, but local, state, and federal investigations continue. There might be a 9-11 style commission. Okay, let's let's get in there, but... Here's just a few rapids. The Capitol rioters aren't like other extremists. They're finding the people that were there weren't actually extremists. That's the article. That's the fucking article. Nancy Pelosi and the sergeant-at-arms who knew that this was a problem and that there was tangible intelligence... They denied National Guard because of optics. So they knew this was coming. They didn't want to do anything about it because the optics had been up to that point. If you deploy the National Guard, you're racist. They, you know, We've had the New York Times story with Cotton. We had everybody blaming Trump for a piece of shit. He shouldn't have the right to bring out the National Guard because the White House almost fell. And then when he put up fences, he was a racist piece of shit. Do we remember all this? Well, now we've gone off a lie perpetrated by the media that an officer was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher, that all the insurgents, the 200 that stormed the building, were fucking armed. That's a lie. They're all extremists. That's a lie. That Trump knew and didn't do anything. That's a lie, that Trump let it, that's a lie, that his speech made him do it, that's a lie, Capitol Police officers issue vote of no confidence for top leadership, because they even knew it was coming, and nobody did anything about it, nobody, because it's all a lie, this is just all a lie, it was bad, It was a horrible thing. It shouldn't have happened. Two things could be true. We went about it. All right. We talked about it. Two things can be true. It can be true that Trump's a douchebag for doing a fucking rally, but it also can be true that he's not responsible and they knew and let it happen. 
Let's go to the US now with our mate Annalise Nielsen, who is, of course, in Washington, where it's way too early in the morning and way too cold. Uh, my friend, so just as we predicted, uh, Trump would be acquitted when it came to the, uh, the uh, process in the Senate. Um, but, of course, the Democrats now say that everyone who voted for uh, him to not be acquitted uh, means... Oh, sorry, anyone who voted for him to be acquitted must, of course, be rubbed from history. You've got uh, the uh, internal Republican fight, which is that uh, those who voted for him to be uh, impeached post-office, that uh, they can go off and be... Uh, they can go off and, of course, be primary. So all I can say is Joe Biden's unity mission, it is just every day getting closer and closer to unity than the country, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, in the beautiful world of political compromise, I think they've managed to find a way to make just about everyone unhappy. You've got <laughs> everyone who wanted him impeached, 80 million plus people that voted for Biden, all furious it didn't happen, that they didn't get the conviction. He's not precluded from running for office again. The Republicans are just more divided than ever. And that's something I don't think Joe Biden's going to be too sad about, really. But now he has to pivot and come back to implementing so many of these really big, broad policy agendas that he's now got no distraction from, and that's going to be the really big challenge going forward. Well, and the last word on impeachment, right, because I'm with you, let's move on, right? There's another world today. Um, there was a chance that Nancy Pelosi <laughs> would have ended up being, being called as a witness. She did not want to be called as a witness because there is a substantial amount of evidence that she, as the presiding officer, was pre-warned of something might be happening on January 6th, and there is plenty of evidence to suggest that she was not doubling down on security on that day, and the former boss of the Capitol Police would have testified to that very point. Look, there was really no upside to anyone getting up and testifying. I mean, you can put that onto Nancy Pelosi. She would have just turned around and said, you know, who knew what was going to happen was Donald Trump. And it's because he was part of it. So it just would have dragged out the whole conversation a lot more. It would have wasted time in the Senate when they're trying to pass. Now, I played that because it comes from Australia. And there you go, you have an Australian guy fucking saying, because our media is not going to say it, but there's been articles all over the place, from The Guardian, da-da-da-da-da. Our media is not going to say it. Conservative will, like, why isn't the press interested in dim oversight on the Capitol? Why don't they care that Nancy Pelosi literally should have done something? Why don't they care that other than the Vanderbeek, which we're about to play, I didn't even know they faked tweets. They literally wrote over tweets. And manufactured dates and checks. How is that okay? Why don't they say to... Biden, all right, why aren't neither one of my mouths is working, uh, to Biden, end this uncivil war. Which side is doing the uncivil war? This week on Just the News, a news source, everything they report is unbiased. Smoking gun, Comey told Clapper FBI unable to sufficiently corroborate Steele, then side the FISA anyway. So, who literally, who, okay, literally is the party that is doing an uncivil war? Who? 
Because I'm confused. All right, I, I'm really confused because I don't see it as the right. I see it as the left. I mean, they're still going out. They got them in federal. They got courts going on. I mean, Jesus Christ, this is never ending. Until they can charge them with something, they're not ending. Blue check says everyone must target every senator who voted to acquit and go after every single aspect of their lives. That's all over the place. That's the one I put up there. Um, Yahoo News reporter, and, and this is why. I mean, I think this this really comes down to why we're so fucking fucked up. Yahoo News reporter compares covering Trump to fighting in D-Day. Katie Tour, did insurrection happen after these calls to fight from Dems? Well, we did, we did get this one. From colleague Sally Person, Fox confirms driveway and home a Trump attorney, Mike Vanderneen, was vandalized. The word traitor was spray-painted in red with an arrow pointing to the House. WAPO did the article. If Republican senators acquit Trump, they will own the violence that follows. The violence that follows. And then you go to Tom Nichols. What I've learned from the two impeachment is that Mitch McConnell is one of the most powerful people and he will be the fall of democracy. Matthew Van Dyke. The final count. 57 patriots, 7 true Republicans, 1 severely wounded democracy. Emmy, Emma Kearney, this was the first time a U.S. president was impeached twice, the first time the impeachment trial of a former president, and the shortest impeachment trial in U.S. history. But what they won't say is that in all votes, on every impeachment ever, Democrats have never walked across the line, and Republicans did. I mean, you really think about the Republican Party. People always cross, because they're Dems that call themselves Republican. Democrats, you know... You can't be pro-life as a Democrat. They won't give you money. You will be primaried the fuck out by your own party unless you want to murder babies until birth. That's true. That's not made up. That's not coming from right wing. That's what they tell people. You will get no funds. Period. USA Today, some Republicans, Senator Burr, blah, 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 blah. Then there was a whole thing about, oh, they're going after him. Caitlin Collins, very brief statement, GOP Senator Cassidy, explaining why he voted to convict Trump. Our Constitution and our country is more important than any one person. <laughs> sass. All the media would put up, Jake Tapper was sass. Anybody who voted to impeach him was good. Everybody who didn't was bad. No other side. None. Paul Sperry, it's not enough to simply beat Trump. He must be destroyed thoroughly. His kind must not rise again. David Plouffe. Cyrus McQueen, this is just a blue check Democrat. This is fucking, motherfucking, disgusting, goddamn, horrible, fucked up, monumental, cocksucking, motherfucking piece of shit. Acquittal. Fuck the spineless, soulless, worthless, senseless devil worshippers who voted not guilty. Rosie, well fuck you all traitors. It goes on. Jake Tapper, stop the steal, stop the count. Casey Hunt, 2016 is finally over. Mina Harris, white supremacy wins again. Dan McLaughlin, four impeachment votes in. No Democrat center in America history has ever crossed party lines. And I could read the huge thing, but I'm not going to. 
they they just want violence. And unbeknownst to the entire country, while this was going on, New York, Seattle, Portland, D.C., all getting rat-fucked. I got the film, but I guess NBC News didn't see that on Twitter. Now we got police assaulting people that are on the sidewalk. All right, at least one arrest has been made. One arrest has been made. They pulled someone off the fucking sidewalk. We got police continuing to move in aggressively. Protesters have kind of set up a little barrier here to here. keep the traffic Stop back. back Police are back over here. Is this concrete and shoe filming? At certain points, it might be. <laughs> That's how it has to be from now on again. Sorry, I know it's not as interesting to watch, but I know you guys, I know most of you guys are in here just trying to see like a riot or whatever, but. says for America to live, this party has to die. Let's bring in New York Times columnist Tom Friedman, author of bestseller from Beirut to Jerusalem. Of course, just using the word die will have the whole righty fringe throwing you under the bus as the real person asking uh, for violence. So how do we do that? Look, I came from a, a former Soviet Union where you had the government dictating propaganda and lies to you left, right and center where, to the point where constituents didn't know fact from fiction. It sounds like that may be the direction at least one party is headed in this country. What can be done?
Dr. Plaskett calling out what was clear to a lot of people watching, especially women and people of color. What did you think when you saw what the Trump team was doing? Well, Don, I, I thought what we witnessed with these videos uh, was really a master class in manipulation. In his speech after the vote to acquit, after he, in fact, voted to acquit, Mitch McConnell said Trump, and I'm quoting here, didn't get away with anything yet. So what legal consequences could Trump still face? Could there be state charges, federal charges? What do you think? And I wonder if you can speak to this sense that Donald Trump once again has proven himself to be above the law, that this evidence that was not in dispute, not from um, the seven Republicans who voted to convict, not from Mitch McConnell, who did on a technicality. How do you speak to that, that, I think, despair that a lot of people feel that the case, as airtight as it was with the facts not in question, still didn't result in a consequence for Donald Trump? Well, Nicole, I quoted Churchill in the trial, and I'll quote him again, that this is not the end of accountability for Donald Trump. It's not even the beginning of the end. Maybe this trial is the end of the beginning, but he's going to face accountability, certainly civilly, certainly as we're seeing in Georgia and New York criminally. And, you know, I'm proud that I was a part of a team that stood up for the votes of the American people uh, who had the count disrupted and saw the largest uh, impeachment vote ever uh, in the Senate, you know, there was calls for more witnesses, uh, you know, I understand, but we didn't need more witnesses today. We needed more spines. We needed 10 more spines uh, from Republicans. Do you want to answer um, for us? I know Congressman Raskin and, and, and some of your colleagues addressed this. Um, you got the evidence that you wanted from the one witness that was in question late last night. Can, can you just put out for the record what happened around bringing witnesses? Yeah, I, I wanted everyone to know, we, we took an MRI to this case over the last few weeks, uh, and we put forward a powerful, overwhelming case. We went into the day yesterday feeling we had proved the case. New evidence was unearthed right when we concluded last night. We felt a responsibility to get that evidence into the record. Uh, but there, for j as many people like Jamie Herrera Butler who were willing to come forward and speak up, there were a lot of doors that we knocked on, a lot of phone calls we made, a lot of invitations we sent. Uh, that were not answered uh, by people who were witnesses. And, you know, the choice was, well, do we chase those people, not knowing what they're going to say, to the courts for years, or do we go forward with a powerful, thundering case that we have? And also knowing that Mitch McConnell was already telling us that he believed the challenge was a jurisdictional one. So we could have called God herself and the Republicans weren't going to be willing to convict. So we're proud of the case we put forward. Were there witnesses that would have testified that you said, oh, no, thanks, we're not going to... It had not been my intention to come to this uh, press availability, uh, uh, however tempting it would be to sing the praises of our House managers on behalf not only of the House of Representatives, on behalf of the American people, and I have to say personally, on behalf of my grandchildren, who drew great hope and inspiration from each and every one of you. We could not be prouder of, of your patriotic presentations, the clarity in which you presented, and again, uh, the inspiration that you have been to so many people. So I thank you for that. When I see all of them, it reminds me that when we recruit candidates to run for office or we see them self-recruiting, we always say, and they'll say, well, I could be the president of my university or I could be the head of my hospital department or this or that. And 
So I have to think about whether I run for Congress. We always say we don't want anybody without options. That's why we're looking to you to run, because you have options. That shouldn't be a reason for you not to run. But what we saw in that Senate today was a cowardly group of Republicans who apparently have no options because they were afraid to defend their job, respect the institution in which they served. Imagine that it would be vandalized in so many bad ways that I won't even go into here, and that they would not respect their institute. That the president of the Senate, Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, was the chant, and they just dismissed that. Why? Because maybe they can't get another job. What is so important about any one of us? What is so important about the political survival of any one of us that is more important than our Constitution that we take an oath to protect and defend? But why I came over was because I listened to Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, who when this distinguished group of House managers were gathered on January 15th, to deliver the articles of impeachment, could not, we're told, it could not be received because Mitch McConnell had shut down the Senate and was going to keep it shut down until right until the inauguration. So for him to get up there and make this indictment against the president and then say, but I can't, I can't uh, vote for it because it's after the fact, the fact that he established the fact that he established that it could not be delivered before the inauguration. Now, when you think about January 6th, between January 6th and January 20th, you're only talking about just under two weeks, a day under two weeks. So the big lie, uh, stop the steal, the big lie that you talked about, stop the steal, was the momentum for getting these people there on the 6th, they honestly believe, for whatever reason, maybe too much social media, whatever. Watch social media, that movie. So why they were thinking that that was true, that the election was not legitimate, whatever the reason the president told them. So, okay, so that's the 6th. The week later, we impeach in the House. Thank you to those of you who participated right away. We need, need to make sure that the center of American democracy uh, is, is never, uh, never uh, as compromised as it was on January the 6th. I know there are idiots on other cable news channels that will, will say, well, you know, this mom and pop store was vandalized during the summer riots. And that's just as bad as the United States Capitol being vandalized. No, no, actually, no. No, jackass, it's not. <laughs> the capital of the United States of America is the center of American democracy. And while I am a fierce believer in people's right to defend their private property, I'm not going to confuse a taco stand with the United States Capitol. I'm not going to confuse the selling of tacos with actually moving through a constitutional process that is laid out in the United States Constitution. 
for members of the, 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 the House and the Senate to actually uh, to perform their constitutional duties? No, 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 no. Property damage does not equal uh, insurrection. What's your thoughts on all of this as you sit and you watched what happened over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of different thoughts. I mean, I think it's easy to say that the Republican Party is only the party of QAnon and, you know, all these things. If, if that's the truth, then the Democratic Party is the party of socialism and late-term abortion and cancel culture and no responsibility or ramifications for any of your actions. And you can burn down uh, cities like Kenosha and it's fine and there's no ramifications. These are broad-stroke platitudes. I don't believe either are true. I don't think Republicans are simply QAnon supporters. I don't think Democrats are simply socialists. And the thing that I worry about right now is that we are not using our uh, intrepid values to, to go forward and try and fight for what's still good in this country. And as long as we just keep going back and forth on this, there will be there will be no resolution and things will only get worse. I will say in, in response to the impeachment uh, hearings over the weekend and on Friday, you know, I think it's easy to think that we can just put this like delve of 25% of people, the, the, you know, the crazy whatever, how the media is, uh, uh brandishing them, these these crazy QAnon Trump supporters and that they're gone and we're just going to shame them into, into uh, you know, into non-existence. But there's a lot of polls that have just come out that are reading the tea leaves really differently. There's a morning consult poll that says uh, President Trump has a 77% approval rating. Only 27% of Republicans blame him for riots. And 81% of Republicans give him uh, a positive marks all the way around. The, the thing that I would say is as much as the left wants to act like these are that Republicans are, are only QAnon supporters. Part of the problem is for someone like me, when I hear that, I automatically get very tribal and I'm like, well, I don't want the left because for me, I am I am the most intensely pro-life person that that I know of, as particularly on, on mainstream TV. I believe that abortion is murder. I believe that life begins at conception. And I know that the opposite party says that, oh, there's some people that, that don't agree with me, that think that it's different, that think that abortion should happen up to up to late term. So I think the idea that that the Republican Party is just one swath is just it's just not it's just not nuanced. And the problem I have is the only way to become a good Republican is to become a Democrat, according to the media. And I just I don't know what to do anymore because I can't keep coming on uh, TV every day saying that we're all Nazis and, and, you know, Hitler salutes and whatever. It's just not intellectually honest. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution uh, are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress of the United States. And we're going to play Vanderbeek in a second. But I want to cover this. And this is all over the media. Not via BLM protests in New York City leaves two NYPD cops injured, 11 arrested. No, that's not important. We're not going to look at that because that's the same team. Politico, the military has a hate group problem, but it doesn't know how bad it's gotten. The rise of extremists in the rank is seen as a crisis issue, but the military effort to weed out radicals is haphazard as at best. No actual proof of that. It's just that they supported Trump. And when you look at what they say, saying make America great again is racist and white supremacist, that's where you get this. And because a lot of vets were at the rallies 
because vets went to the rallies. When you read the articles, that's what they're saying. They're not saying it was all vets who stormed it. There were some vets. They ignore the some vets that are in Antifa. They talk about full body armor. They don't look at the ones at Antifa and BLM riots. So in common fashion, they brought in a Secretary of Defense who's an African-American activist who's now doing stand-downs, and basically it's not about Proud Boy, white supremacy. You can't be in those groups in the military. It's political affiliation. Before Biden's term's done, you watch the voting in the army. Watch how the votes change towards Democrats. It's just like your grade school and your college. It's just brainwashing. They're going to brainwash a whole generation to literally become Democrats. That's what it's about. They're extremists because the majority of them vote for Republicans. And they voted for Trump twice. I'm an extremist because I won't vote for Democrats. I vote against them every goddamn time for president because as we start to segue after Vanderbeek into COVID, they just are extreme motherfuckers who will get their policies through without votes and legislation. I mean, we got 52 executive actions, but that's okay because Trump, that's what my never-Trumper friends would say, just Trump. Just Trump's so bad. Biden's so good. It's nice to have normalcy. A president who doesn't use the legislative branch. Good job. Vanderbeek came on CBS News. And I think he summed up what we all think about how our media is. And look how hostile this woman is. I know it was viral, but I got to play it. The man isn't a conservative. He wasn't a Trumpist. He was just doing his job as a lawyer, and he found true factual obstruction of justice, manufacturing evidence. There was more that didn't even come out. They want to spend. They want to gloss over the reason why we didn't have witnesses is because they didn't want to go to the stand and have to say why didn't you let National Guard come? Why? Because of optics, because of COVID. I mean, because it's optics and COVID. So we're going to go into Vanderbeek just to play it because he's great. And then our COVID bumper will start doing some Biden policies. Are you expecting to face more charges against Mr. Trump in the near future? And do you anticipate being part of that defense? No, that's just political rhetoric. And I was hopeful that something would come out of this, that the political rhetoric would stop out of Washington, D.C., but I guess apparently it hasn't. Were you, though, surprised to hear those words coming from the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate? I'm not surprised to hear a politician say anything at all. No. Well, throughout throughout the trial, you denied that Mr. Trump had a role in inciting the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. You argued, first of all, that there was no insurrection. But during your closing arguments, you seemingly admitted that there was, in fact, an insurrection, using that word, saying that that, that was not up for debate. What role no, you, did the you, former you president you play? You didn't, you didn't understand the case. I used the word I'll give you the opportunity to clarify, my, sir. Sure. 
I uh, used the word insurrection in my closing argument when quoting the charging documents. Um, what happened at the Capitol on January 6th is absolutely horrific. But what happened at the Capitol during this trial was uh, not too far away from that. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case and when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think, uh, when, uh, when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out. Uh, I think it turned a lot of senators. The American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who, uh, who these house managers were uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was absolutely, it was shocking to me. Wouldn't have believed it. Uh Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence and uh, and the argument. They didn't, de uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. Our viewers, they didn't deny it. Uh, to I be put it in for, front of them to be three clear times. For our viewers, what, what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, wait, of what you're speaking? Wait. That's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. I'm, I'm, I, I, wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen. juror in this trial. That's, what I'm trying to be all... clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to. Because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay. No, not everybody. To doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully, respectfully I have not, not said it is. Question, I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is. I want turn. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out one day. But we won this case, and I'm not a sore loser, but what happened, or a sore winner, I should say, but what should happen is somebody should look at the conduct of these house managers. It, it, it's unconscionable, aside from all of the due process violations that my client had. And the media should be looking that at a square, straight way. The straight way. When I watch the news, I watch one station and it's raining. I watch another station at the same time and it's sunny. Your coverage is so slanted, it's got to stop. You guys have to stop and start reporting more like PBS does rather than uh, 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 a TV news show that doesn't have any journalistic integrity at all. What I'm telling you is that they doctored evidence. And I believe your question says, well, it's only a Twitter check and, a, and changing a year of a date here. They switched the date of a Twitter a year to try to connect it to this case. That's not a small thing, ma'am. 
The other thing they did is they put Sorry. a check mark on something to, to make it look like it was a validated account when it wasn't. And when they were caught, they didn't say anything about it. They didn't even try to come up with an excuse about it. And that's not the way our prosecutors or our government officials should be conducting themselves. And the media shouldn't be letting them get away with it either. I'm tired of the biased media on both sides, left and right. What this country wants, what this country needs, is this country to come together, to take the left and the right and find a middle ground and start responsibly being our public officials, our elected officials. And, the new, and the re, one of the reasons why they do it is because of the media, because the media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media, I'm not in front of your cameras all the time, uh, but what right. I've been subjected Sir, I, I, to this I last week. I understand, yeah. and I've given you, you the opportunity. You don't want to hear the truth. Yeah. Okay. I've given you the opportunity. I, I will remind you that what I said was that for our viewers who have not been following all of the hours of of this trial, mm -hmm. to be clear about what you what you are speaking about, and I understand. I'm speaking that about you seem the house manager's upset. failure to prove their case. That's that, that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if you'd I like did. to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a, slant, a slanted question, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. a little bit. You no. said, to be fair, it was it's only fine. a check on the Twitter. That's what you said. You got to live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth and not try to right. create a narrative. Michael Vanderveen, yep. thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yep. Okay. Uh, New York's Emmy-winning governor, Andrew Cuomo, was caught covering up nursing home deaths last week. It was something of a scandal ignored by many outlets, but we covered it here. Today, the governor finally addressed this scandal directly. Fox's Trace Gallagher has the story there. Hey, Trace. Hey, Tucker. Amid growing calls for his resignation and a bipartisan move to strip him of his COVID-19 emergency powers, today, Governor Andrew Cuomo said, there is nothing to investigate. Watch. I don't think there's anything too clear here. Uh, that's a fact. There's nothing to investigate there. Uh, and then we uh, provided information to DOJ. So there's no, there is nothing uh, to investigate. I, I'm telling you. But that information he said was provided to the Department of Justice was only given after New York Attorney General Letitia James issued a damning report saying nursing home deaths were undercounted by about 50% and that the death toll was actually 13,000. And Cuomo's top aide, Melissa DeRosa, then admitted they, quote, froze about whether to come clean to DOJ about nursing home deaths. Cuomo did not directly address DeRosa's remarks, but in an effort to dig himself out of a hole, Cuomo, who has repeatedly said, it's not about pointing fingers of blame, today pointed fingers and blamed everything from politics to hospitals to old people. COVID did not get into the nursing homes by people coming from hospitals. COVID got into the nursing homes by staff walking into the nursing home.
COVID may have been brought into a nursing home because visitors brought it in and didn't know they were contagious because the guidance was you can only be contagious if you have symptoms. Now, the governor did take responsibility for the lack of official information being disseminated, saying they were busy trying to handle the crisis of the moment. Listen. The void in information that we created started misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and now people have to hear that. And they don't know what is the truth. The truth is everybody did everything they could. Did their best, except, of course, for those who he claims screwed up. As for his office, the governor maintains there was no cover-up. Watch. To be clear, all the deaths in the nursing homes and in the hospitals were always fully, publicly, and accurately reported. The numbers were the numbers, always. But critics say the fatality numbers were not the numbers. And that is the problem. Tucker. Amazing, amazing story. Tris Gallagher, thanks so much for yep. that. Well, it was hard to remember now, but it wasn't long ago that New York was a powerful, thriving state. People were proud to live there. Now people are fleeing as fast as they can in huge numbers. Or after intense criticism, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is denying that the number of coronavirus deaths connected to nursing homes has been vastly underreported. An aide to the governor recently said in a call with Democratic lawmakers that the real numbers were withheld. She said there were fears the Trump administration would use the information against them. Mola Lenghi has been looking into nursing home deaths, a story we have been covering for months. I mean, there are two big questions here. One, are the numbers accurately reported? Yeah. And two, was it a mistake to put people back in the nursing homes who may have contributed to the spread of the virus? The governor definitely has some um, questions that need to be answered. During the height of this pandemic, though, he seemed to be the only leader who was meeting with the public, yeah. giving us information when we were crying for information. And it appears that he was giving it to us straight. Now there are more questions that need to be answered. You're coming up on a month in, you're inside the machine. What are you finding is harder about the pandemic? Like, how are you finding the hole is deeper? I mean, the challenge, Mike, is that, you know, what I explained to the mayors, um, there was no stockpile, right? It's in many ways- No stockpile of- Of vaccines. Right? So we're looking at this. There was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations. We were leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure it out. And so in many ways, we are we're starting from scratch on something that's been raging for almost an entire year. And that's, um, you And so know, are you having to adjust your sights now of what's possible given that? And to challenge that everything is possible, we've got to figure out a way. That has to be our standard. Our standard has to be everything is possible, but we're going to have to work like heck to get it done. Which means, again, no patience, no patience for delay, no patience for no, no patience for... This is everywhere on the internet, because you know it's true. That's what they think of us. You know, you're not, you're not worthy they are, let me get the right screen up. 
top Florida Democrat on Governor Cuomo's cover-up, we would never have gotten away with that. No, because they're still trying. The problem is the media is locked with the Dems. And, of course, they do polls. Nikki Haley came out over the weekend as a candidate. Um, They couldn't go after um, Cheney because she voted to impeach. But there were some articles about how she's bad. And on Twitter, it's DeSantis. People love DeSantis. So they've been going after him because that's what the media does. So instead of covering Cuomo, they're going to cover Florida. They're going to cover how bad Haley is. And on COVID, GOP tries to weaponize, this is Politico, pandemic-exhausted parents against Biden. No. No. No, kitty. Sorry, I just went into Cartman. The reality is, he said Trump was the virus. And once he left, he was going to eradicate the virus. This was his words. That they were going to have a one million a fucking day inoculation plan. But instead, because they went off the media who took the average from the first day to the last day of the Trump administration. They came up with 500,000, which wasn't true. Of course, it starts off slow and then it gets big because nobody knows and get a goddamn shot, you fucking moon bats. So... Then they said it was going to be 1.5. Then they lost 20 million fucking vaccines. Then they just just are not improving anything. Blame Trump. We'll see that with Axios and and I think well I think it was already in there. Yeah, with the, the COVID bump of of Mrs. Fucking uh, Vice President saying the same. I mean, he said it. He didn't give me a plan. He then said schools were going to open. Then uh, one reporter, not from a conservative site, goes, hey, wait a minute, but if we're talking one day a week, is that really school open? Because that's how they were going to do it. Because he doesn't want to buck the teachers' union. He's beholden to teachers' union who still don't want to work, but they want to get paid. Great bunch of people right there. I'm telling you, when we get into our racist stuff today, you really need to look into homeschooling. I mean, me and the wife have said it numerous times. I would live in a tent and homeschool before I'd send my kids to these schools nowadays. This shit's out of control. And then we have the big lie. If you vote for Ostoff or Warnock, you're getting $2,000, which is really $1,400 because we already gave you $600, but we didn't tell you that. So it's now fourteen. Shut your fucking mouth. And that $1,400 will keep you afloat to July. That's literally liberal mantra in the media right now i don't know who lives on fourteen hundred dollars for four months i don't know anybody i stay at the house i'm unemployed but that won't even play my house note and one of my cars well i will play one of my cars yeah barely my most expensive car these fucking people just lie and the impeachment was so important because they don't want Trump ever to run again and because they have TDS really, really bad, and so they lied. It's just like the Obama administration. They just make up shit and lie and get ahead of the gun and do their IRS shit because they don't trust the American people. They think the media is conservative, so they don't think the media is on their side. I mean, these people are fucking unhinged. That Pelosi segment, she's just fucking unhinged. She should not be in charge of a taco stand. But wait a minute. 
Mojo, yeah, fuck your taco stand. Fuck it. In the ass, sideways. House Democrats have proposed a new $1.9 trillion COVID release package. Basically, it's $15 an hour migrant shit and bailouts. Yet, you have staggering levels of fraud with more than $100 billion in COVID-19 aid misspent or stolen. Robert De Niro got $500 million COVID relief dollars for his restaurants. See, that's the thing that I don't understand the average American person. Democrats only take care of Democrats. Why would you want that if you're a conservative person or if you're not a Democrat? You know that's what they do. So when you vote for a Democrat, you're voting against your self-interest. That's what they say to us all the time. But they're bailing out cities that were already financially fucked up. New York's going to get $50 billion. But they were in the red before. CNN, Chris Cuomo and his giant novelty swab were silent last night. Last night on Cuomo, primetime, the name Trump was mentioned 52 times. The name Cuomo was mentioned once. Here's that mention. Right now, I am Chris Cuomo and welcome to primetime right now. That's it. But then you have articles from Vox. Not a right wing from Jake Tapper. Retweeted it. Vox. I'm an epidemiologist and a father. Here's why I'm losing patience with our teachers union. We should be working quickly to implement universal asymptomatic testing of teachers as well as vaccinations. But we cannot wait for those things to be in place before we're reopening. Writes Benjamin Linus. Benjamin Linus tweets, we are not in a zero-sum game between teachers and students. We can open school buildings, minimize risk to teachers, and address learning gaps and growing mental health crisis among students. We just need to lean into the data. The data, are, the data are there, and they are strong, and they show kids don't carry it. They just don't. Coming to a theater near you. Fury at do not resuscitate notice, notices given to COVID patients with learning disabilities in England. That all goes with the policies. They want, if you got fucking SIDS, if you got anything in the womb on amniocentesis, you abort the baby. Well, now they're doing it in COVID. And I will guarantee you, You'll hear people calling if you don't take the vaccine because people are having problems. And some people are scared. They're not liberal, they're not conservative anti-vaxxers. They're just people who are scared of this thing, including my mom who's scared of it. You will not get health care. Remember, they've been calling that from day one. New York Times turns vital school reopening into cynical Republican seizure when Senate Republicans sought recently to wall off some federal education aid from schools that declined to reopen once teachers could be vaccinated, top Democrat accused them of staging a political show. If it was it was a show Republicans more than are happy to put on. Here's the thing. You already gave them a shitload of money in the first stimulus, and they didn't reopen. They just pocketed it. New York Times shines an important spotlight on how Republicans are weaponizing COVID-19. School closures, it's just like the first one. As President Biden struggles to keep his pledges to reopen schools in 100 days, Republicans in Congress are hammering at the issue as a way to win back alienated women and suburban voters. Stephen L. Miller, uh, these are his tweets. Republicans seize on shuttered schools. 
Uh, what, what's this one? I can't see the other video. Sorry, there's one other picture. Republican sees it was on top of their webpage. <laughs> Oh my God, these are fun. Maybe it's they're pointing out the truth. You ever think of that? Randy Weingarten, uh, gaslighting in progress. Randy Weingarten defends union cities, New York City. Of course, unions are not monolithic. There are many places like New York City that have reopened with the appropriate safeguards. I understand this dad's frustration. This is to the first article for Vox. But there's a roadmap working elsewhere with strong unions leading the work. New York City is not reopened, Carol Markowitz, who lives there, says. Most elementary schools are part-time. Middle and high schools have been closed since November. Appropriate safeguards in this case have led directly to the disappearance of public schools in the city. This kind of gaslighting will be the death of me. If New York City schools are considered open right now, we are done for. But that's it. If you had just a few, if you got some, if they open one day a week. I mean, for fuck's sake, they're closing for snow days. Virtual. Virtual. It's like they just don't even fucking care about education. And they're the party of science and shit. New York City's mayor office. The whole world is a stage, so we're bringing live performances back to New York City. Our streets will be filled with music performances and dance thanks to our open culture program. Applicants open March 1st. The essence of New York. We will come back strong. Oh, people dancing in snowbanks. We need a recovery that brings back the life and the oh, heart and fuck, the energy I'm of playing the city. That. We need a recovery that brings back the life and the heart and the energy of this city and that everyone gets to be a part of. And we're going to do that. We're going to really bring back the heart and soul of New York City. We need our arts and culture back and we need people to see it and feel it, to participate in it, to know that that essence of New York City has not been defeated by the coronavirus, but will come back strong in 2021. Month after month in 2021, as you see the city come back to life, culture will lead the way. Open culture is another step towards a recovery for our city. We're launching with 115 street locations in all five boroughs, and it brings stages to our neighborhoods and culture to the heart of our neighbors, and give artists, cultural institutions, and creatives a place to showcase their talents as they recover from the pandemic. Our cultural community is our conscience, our cultural community is our hope, and our identity as New Yorkers. Yeah, that's important, but schools, go fuck yourself, you goddamn white supremacists. NBC News Journal, Ali Vital, heart still goes out to the brave, mostly female teachers, who refuse to work. And this is the problem. This is our media. Lauren Pickoff, Vin Gupta, MD. What I hear from teachers across the country is fear and anxiety. We aren't pro... We aren't, why aren't we prioritized the here? We need to lower the temperature and prioritize them to vaccines. Fairfax County prioritized vaccinating teachers. The result, the union still wouldn't commit to open in the fall. Ali Vitali, I think about this story from July all the time. Teachers, 76% of which are women, telling me they wondered if they should draft their wills before going back in the classroom. And how torn they were between love and teaching and staying healthy. See, this goes back to the optics again. They did a lot of this for political to depended on Trump. All right, Trump can't handle it. Trump's killing America. Trump killed 500,000 Americans. Trump, Trump, Trump. And now they can't go back. I mean, how can you go back? 
Four people in Oregon have tested positive for the coronavirus after receiving both doses. But yeah, you're a vaxxer. Got it. Janice Dean drags Anna Navarro down memory lane. For months, this is Anna Navarro. CNN has carried almost 24-7 sobering COVID news. A few minutes of friendly bantering between two brothers with high-profile, high-stress jobs. Not supposed to be journalism. It's called humor. It's coping mechanism. For some of us, she's defending this. This was May 21st. Anna Navarro from uh, May 21st. I don't know you, but feel great sympathy for all the families. This is to Janice Dean, like yours, who have lost loved ones COVID. If this had happened on Fox News, I would not have seen it. I don't need your permission to stand up, speak up, or act up. Bless her heart. This aged well, because not a single pundit on CNN have even spoken about the lies. New York Dem lawmaker says Governor Andrew Cuomo was lying about what he claims to have told state legislators. <clears throat> Cuomo says legislator was informed last fall that their quest for nursing home data were delayed to comply with DOJ first. On Friday, M. Weiland said, other than what was reported in the news, the speaker had no knowledge of an official Department of Justice inquiry. He's just lying. He's spinning. Dem state senator watched Andrew Cuomo lie and play politics in New Yorkers' lives. Can watch him lie and play no more. Jessica Ramos. Cuomo and his administration knowingly chose to lie and play politics with New Yorkers' lives. His emergency powers must be rescinded, he and his admin must be subpoenaed, and a full investigation must result in justice for our grieving families. See my full statements below. But conservatives to her, how convenient. Now you care. Since May, people knew. <clears throat> May, this broke. In alt-right white supremacist news. The only positive I can find is Judge Legum. Cuomo became a pandemic star by contrasting himself with Trump. Cuomo crafted an image of being determined, honest, and grounded in science. But 11 months later, this image is falling apart. Follow along for factual assessments of Cuomo's record. Two, <coughs> he wrote a book posted in October celebrating his own leadership during the pandemic. Cuomo writes in New York had confronted and defeated the virus and achieved that what all the experts told us was impossible. Today, things look different. Today, New York has 338 people hospitalized with COVID per million residents. This is the highest number in any state. I mean, this is a dim. He's a dim. He's not a journalist. Four, overall, 46K New Yorkers have died of COVID, which is trials only California, a state with two times as many people. On a per capita basis, New York has had more deaths than every state but New Jersey. Cuomo's decision made things worse. Five, a new report by New York AG Laetta James found Cuomo ordered requiring nursing homes to accept residents may have put residents at risk. Cuomo dismissed the criticism of the nursing home policies in his book as despicable. Six, James also found that Cuomo was severely undercounting the number of COVID deaths in nursing homes. The James reported Cuomo released new numbers which show that nursing home deaths were much higher. It's at 15,000 now. A top Cuomo aide told a group of Democratic legislators that the administration did not release accurate nursing home data earlier because they were concerned the data was going to be used against them. Cuomo missteps were limited to nursing homes. He didn't issue a shelter-in-place order until March 22nd. It was floated by the New York City mayor on the 17th. Cuomo dismissed it. The fear, the panic is a bigger problem than the virus. Nine. 
A delay of five days might not seem like a big deal, but Columbia University epidemiologists later estimated that a week delay in March could tuple the number of deaths in New York. Today, Cuomo, who claimed to be guided by scientific expertise, has much different perspective. When I say experts in the air quotes, it sounds like I'm saying I don't trust the experts, but I don't. Final note, that's, that's his quote. Remember, Trump was horrible. Final note, COVID is an extremely complex problem. I'm not aware of any political leader who have handled the situation perfectly, nor should we expect them to, but only one that I know of wrote a book in the middle of a pandemic celebrating their own leadership. We were saying it all along. All along. Dr. Dr. Richard Harambe, COVID deaths and first 100 days in office. 79,000. Since Joe Biden took office, 79,000 Americans have died from COVID. Think about that. That is 26.5 911s or six World Trade Centers coming down every single day of Joe Biden's presidency. This is shameful. We cannot look away. Where'd that come from? That's what they said to get Biden elected. CNN reporting. President Biden has expressed a preference for fires built in the Oval Office. Unlike his recent predecessor, he's more of an early-to-bed type. Newsweek, Joe Biden playing his Luigi wins a Mario Kart race against granddaughter at Camp David. Seltzer to look away is a disgrace to coronavirus to victims. That was his article. Since Joe Biden took office, this is really gross stuff, Aaron Rupar says. Gross stuff indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rupar. And he goes on and just nukes them with everything they said. But now it's gross to use against Biden. And that's your Democratic Party. In a nutshell, that's it. Former ICE director, a massive surge in Southern Borden. This isn't by accident. This is by design. That was Obama's, by the way. Not Trump's. Joe Biden is very excited about reaching and surpassing his big goal of taking credit for what Donald Trump and men put in place. President Biden, before I took office, I set a big goal of administering 100 million shots in the first 100 days. The progress we're making, I believe, will not only reach that, we'll break it. Tom Elliott, I set a goal to wake up before noon. Not only did I reach my goal, I broke it by 20 minutes. We need to have a discussion about what constitutes a big goal. Because once again, that tweet is from February 16th. He is still fucking lying. He's still fucking lying. It's not true. We were already doing it. But with the lie, oh, there was no plan. I got handed nothing and a hundred, you know, getting a million. He looks like a rock star and the media's going to let him do it. Even though it's a lie, they're going to do it because they don't fucking care. And they don't care about the rest of his policy. It comes as New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo is addressing his handling of the numbers of coronavirus deaths in nursing homes after his office conceded that it delayed turning them over to state lawmakers. The void we created allowed disinformation, and that created more anxieties for the families of loved ones. Families have wondered whether their loved ones could have been saved. Today, Cuomo defending his record. The truth is everybody did everything they could. Also tonight. Not providing the information creates the void. 
New York Governor Andrew Cuomo defended himself against charges that the state underreported the death toll from nursing homes early in the pandemic, then tried to cover it up. And I want everyone to know everything was done. Everything was done by the best minds in the best interest. Cuomo also addressed the bombshell report from last week, a leaked transcript of a meeting between his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, and state Democrats in which DeRosa admitted the administration had been withholding data about nursing home deaths from state legislatures and the public because they feared political backlash from the Trump administration amid a Department of Justice probe into the scandal. Cuomo dismissed this notion today and instead said state legislators didn't get the full nursing home death data because of process. We caused the state legislators request while we were finishing the DOJ request. We told both houses, the Assembly and the Senate, that we had DOJ requests for information and we were prioritizing that. But New York Democratic Assemblyman Ron Kim says state lawmakers were not told about the DOJ probe last August. And he said DeRosa told them the reason the administration withheld the data was for political reasons. That's not what we heard. That's not what she said. She even prefaced the whole thing by saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the whole truth. He's lying right now to today's press conference about sending notices to the Assembly and Senate that we knew about the Department of Justice investigation. We were not informed. We were not told there was an investigation. She's told me this morning uh, that she wanted to send a message of joy during these difficult times that we are facing. And that that is where uh, President Biden is turning his attention today to the coronavirus pandemic and the response that is needed. You mentioned the House Ways and Means Committee yesterday passing a key threshold to advance this coronavirus relief bill. Uh, Today, President Biden turning once again to helping to drum up public pressure and stress the urgency of the need for this relief, meeting uh, this uh, this afternoon. Uh, sorry, not this afternoon, in in about a couple hours, uh, with a bipartisan group, uh, nine governors and mayors, uh, governors including uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, just to show you the bipartisan uh, range that will be happening here. And he's expected to talk about the need, and some of these governors and mayors are also expected to talk uh, about the the need that they feel for this $1.9 trillion. Tonight, there are bipartisan calls for an investigation into New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. After his top aide admitted to Democratic lawmakers that the Cuomo administration intentionally underreported the state's COVID death toll in nursing homes. In recent weeks, a court order and the state's attorney general forced Cuomo's office to acknowledge that the death toll is nearly 15,000, thousands more than previously reported. The governor's aide said it was done out of fear that the Trump administration would use the numbers against Cuomo. New York, where indoor dining resumed today, Governor Cuomo coming under fire after a top aide said his administration delayed releasing accurate data on nursing home deaths, as well as on the more than 9,000 COVID patients transferred to long-term care facilities. But tonight, new questions about the impact of the pandemic on the most vulnerable Americans. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo under fire, accused of covering up the state's true death toll in nursing homes. 
A top aide admitting that the governor's office withheld the numbers, saying they would be used against us by the Trump Justice Department. This after a recent report found the deaths were undercounted by as much as 50 percent. Thank you for believing in me and giving me support. Good Lord knows I needed it. And don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. It is now my distinct pleasure to present the 2020 International Emmy Founders Award to Governor Andrew Cuomo, with a little help from some of my fellow New Yorkers. To my governor, the governor of Empire State, Andrew Cuomo. Congratulations, Andrew, on your much-deserved Founders Award. Governor Andrew Cuomo, you are the man. What? I was trying to think of something that I could say to you that would uh, be funny. And so I called your brother, Chris, who could not understand why you were getting an Emmy since he's the one on television. In the darkest stage of the pandemic, your daily briefings live from New York gave us hope, gave us clarity, gave us the truth, and gave us something that we were not getting from Washington, leadership. In the midst of this storm, Andrew Cuomo became the nation's governor. People across the country tuned into this press conferences every day. Daily I was watching his press conferences, informing us, telling us what to do. And uh, he also said that, uh, you know, now that you're the love gov, uh, you've kind of transcended politics and now you're just part of really more, you know, you're more of like a national sex symbol. He says you'll probably get more dates than votes. That's him saying that, not me. You did your- I played that because I forgot to play it before, but you notice there's very few networks that are actually talking about it. CBS, oh, I can't believe you do this. ABC has yet to run an article. So, then we get to his other policies before we go into our, uh, a woke section of just everything is fucking racist. Biden uses the Parkland anniversary to call for three major gun control moves. It's pretty. Banned magazines, uh, private sales. What, what's the other one? Banning ARs that are currently circulating in addition to outright ban on new production. On his campaign website, he promised to implement these changes as well as pushing red flag laws which allow family, co-workers, teachers, and colleagues to petition account to take away a person's firearm with due process. Oh, and he wants to make sure all firearms moving forward are smart guns, measuring no one can pull the trigger unless their DNA matches the pre-programmed information. Smart guns have not been only logistical nightmares, but they're also the privacy concerns surrounding DNA. When Harris was running for president, she threatened to sign an executive order on gun control and the control uh, if Congress didn't pass common sense gun laws within the first 100 days of her president. Specifically, she called for assault weapons ban, universal background checks, and prosecuting federal firearm licenses. Harris has made gun control one of her top legislative processes. <clears throat> Biden calls on Congress to enact common sense gun laws reform on third anniversary. Today I'm calling on Congress to enact common sense gun law reforms, including requiring background checks on all gun sales, banning assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, and eliminating immunity for gun manufacturers. So it's exactly what H.R. 2717 is now H.R. 127 is Biden won't rule out using executive orders to take away your Second Amendment rights. He's coming for it. He's coming for the guns like he said he was going to do. He said he was going to do it. He is now 
doing it. And it's based on faulty statistics. Listen, I don't want to get ammunition in these fucking goddamn moon bats because they'll fucking do it. Number one, pistols kill more people. ARs don't. They don't. You take out mass shootings. There's no other shootings with an AR. It's always with a pistol. Pistols. Pistols. I can understand 10-round magazines on pistols. The the AR comes with a 30-round magazine. That's how it's built. But his laws are so... Like, I stopped talking to a person because they said, as long as you don't get in a tower and shoot people, well, that's a red flag law right there. So this person thinks I'm an unhinged person because I don't hate Trump like he does, and that's what these red flags are. People like that who think that you have to be like them, and if you're not like them, they call the cops and get your gun taken away. That's what a red flag law is. And it's six months, maybe, to get a hearing to find out there's nothing wrong with you This person just didn't like you, and maybe you'll get your guns back. That's what a red flag law is. And the immunity on... This is the most ridiculous thing in the world, but it's by design. If you take away immunity, gun manufacturers won't be able to make guns in the United States. And then they can stop the fucking import of guns and see that's all they're doing. They're just trying to put gun manufacturers out of business... They're never take away the ARs. I had a video I was going to play of a guy, African-American, porch pirate, coming on his front porch. He pulls out his fucking AR and points it at him. Put my motherfucking shit back. It was a hilarious video. But he's doing it. Now to other shit. Before we really kind of mix it up and go into all the racist stuff that's coming because of this administration. Ohio State University hosts Sex Week sponsored by Planned Parenthood. Equity book program suspended after backlash from parents over third grade transgender book. Third fucking grade. According to Salt Lake Tribune, a student in Horizon Elementary brought the book Call Me Max from home and asked the teacher to read it out loud. When Max started school, the teacher had hesitated to call out the name on the attendance sheet. Sometimes something didn't fit. Max let her know the name he wanted to be called by a boy name. This begins Max's journey as he makes new friends and reveals his feelings about his identity to his parents. Written with warmth and sensitivity by trans writer Kyle Lukoff. Out of order, Broward County School Board member admits she was intimidated into covering up safety failures that contributed to Stoneman Douglas massacre. We still haven't had a reckoning on that. But that was way out of order, so I'm not going to say that wasn't out of order, but it was. Tennessee introduces bill on fathers to prevent abortion. Mississippi Senate passes bill banning transgender athletes from girls' sports. Here comes the pushback. Biden NSA advisor. On his first day in office, President Biden retracted a decision by the Trump administration to withdraw from the World Health Organization. Dr. Anthony Fauci will lead the U.S. delegation. Rob Crilly, just in from the White House. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, impressed by WHO handling from China. We have been deep concerns about the way in which the early findings of COVID-19 investigation were communicated and questioned about the process used to reach them. Biden men, we have deep concerns about the way the early findings of COVID-19 investigations were communicated and questions about the process used to reach them. It's imperative this report be independent, with experts' feeling findings free from intervention or altered by CCP. Well... 
one year ago, you were a conspiracy theorist if you believed it came from the lab. And now the WHO comes back with a bogus fucking study that shows the CCP didn't let him even go to the goddamn lab. Guess what? But he can't do anything. Hunter still owes 10% of Chinese private equity firm 24 days into Biden presidency. Biden reestablishes White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnership, and it's all making religious people do liberal things. I'm surprised somebody didn't get mad about that because they hate Christianity. Ben Shapiro basically sums up Biden's policies, and then we'll go into racism. It turns out the Biden administration COVID agenda was, one, lie about what they inherited, two, Propose anti-scientific vaccine distribution standards. Three, manipulate the CDC standard on behalf of the teachers union. Four, wait for the media massage. Well done, everybody. Pretty amazing how follow the science became follow the teachers union while calling your opponent anti-science overnight. And our incredible journalismers went right along with it. Joe Biden's presidential checklist. Put logs on fire. Check. Play Mario Kart with Luigi. Check. Goes to bed early. Check. Open schools in line with science. Redlined out. Because why would we? Why why would we? It makes no fucking sense. It just makes no sense. What's wrong with you? Here's Heather McDonald. Do you think it's okay to dole out federal tax dollars on the basis of skin color? What would he say? Well, he wouldn't call that racist, though, of course, it's the definition of it. The real racist, the administration has told us so often, are the cops who make 50 grand a year. They've got all the privilege. I never had to tell my daughter if she's pulled over, make sure she puts for a traffic stop, put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child. When you're walking down the street, don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street. The fact of the matter is, there is institutional racism in America. Institutional racism in America. You hear that a lot. Anyone who asks questions about it gets in trouble. People have been fired for asking, hey, what is that? The question is, is it real? By the way, will they define it for once? No. But if institutional systemic racism is what Joe Biden says it is, why is he acting as he is? If this country, if America is so bigoted that people of color can't live here, if it's institutionally racist, then why is Joe Biden suspending immigration law to allow as many people from non-white countries as possible to move here? Wouldn't that be dangerous for them? Heather McDonald is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She wrote an op-ed about this in Newsweek, and she joins us tonight. Heather, thanks so much for coming on. This this is an inherent contradiction at the center of their argument, and I just I'm interested in hearing someone explain it, and I know that you can. It's hilarious, Tucker. I mean, this is one of the most profound contradictions within the heart of the left-wing worldview. On the one hand, uh, as Biden said during the campaign, as he said in his inauguration speech, as he said since then. America is lethally racist. On the other hand, we should break down every single reasonable, commonsensical immigration control in order to bring in legally and illegally as many third world immigrants of color as possible. Uh, Both positions cannot be true. If Biden believes that that 
black children are at risk of getting shot every time they step outside. We should not be bringing more black children into this country. This is an opportunity for Republicans, uh, Tucker, to call them out on this. Both positions together are disastrous when combined as a policy matter. Every time Biden comes to Congress and wants to add an amnesty, wants to dismantle uh, deportation, do catch and release, ask them to justify why they're doing this when, in their view, America is so systemically racist. No, it's such a great point. Th their relentless, incessant race talk is really hurting the country. It's based in lies. It makes people hate each other. I wonder if they know that. I mean, do you, what is the end game here? And I, it's, a, it's an open question, but quickly, I mean, how do you think they think this ends up in the end? They want to completely change the character of this country, the foundation of it, the norms, the traditions, and the demographics of it. Uh, to be very honest, it is based in hatred towards a civilization deemed too white and too male. And they're going to do everything they can, whether it's spewing the poison of identity politics, teaching Americans to hate each other, to hate their past, or uh, flooding it with low-skilled mass low-skilled immigration that increases the wealth gap that hurts American blacks and Hispanics. Uh, and and in, a, in an environment where you've got this ideology of racial hatred, we are making assimilation impossible. In my experience, many immigrants are picking up the narrative about white supremacy. They feel entitled. Uh, they, they hate the country, to be honest. I've spent a lot of time here in California talking to people in Santa Ana. Police officers will tell you they insist, they expect to be spoken to uh, in their native language. This is not the way to assimilate immigrants, and it's not the way to keep a country going, to spread this hatred and tell lies about its fundamental character. No, it's definitely making people hate each other. And that's bad. It's it bad. It will not end well. I appreciate it. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Yes, it is. Everything is fucking racist. Woohoo! Now, remember this. Scott Coleman. She scrubbed her t Twitter timeline because of all her lies and problematic tweets. Calling her a national treasure is ridiculous. Ida Bay Wells. Hannah Jones, author of the 1619. My family reads this stuff. I read this stuff. You may not like me. You certainly may not agree with me, but no person deserves that. And at my worst, I don't do that to anyone. I'm taking a break from here. You've won. We've read nothing but vile from this person. Everybody's a fucking racist. So Yamachi Alcindor, the PBS state-financed race hustler, Seriously, Hannah Jones is a national treasure. We should call ourselves blessed and lucky to have her writing during our lifetime. People attacking her and her work are not only wrong, they will never win. Never. I start our racist with that because that's the kind of people framing everything you read. A whole New York Times the paper I'm supposed to read because they're such good journalists that change their headlines and lie about police getting killed and basically frame a liberal agenda because their whole goddamn viewership is based on digital subscribers who are all liberal. 
So being that they don't want to lose subscribers, well, they tailor everything for the left. I mean, why wouldn't they? The new Navy pledge. Not making this up. I pledge to advocate for and acknowledge all lived experiences and intersectional identities of every sailor in the Navy. I pledge to engage in ongoing self-reflection, education, and knowledge sharing to better myself and my communities. I pledge to be an example in establishing healthy, inclusive, and team-oriented environments. I pledge to constructively share all experiences and information gained from activities above to inform the development of the Navy-wide reforms. It's in our military. We're not going to fight wars. We're going to fight figurative wars against racism. Oregon promotes program focused on dismantling racism in mathematics. Says finding the right answer is a sign of white supremacy. Ding, 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 ding. Woo! Zad Jelani. Some schools in Oregon are being informed that asking students in math class to show their work is white supremacy. What exactly would happen if this faction got its way and all American classrooms are like this? Let me bam this fucker up and read off the fucking picture. Engage. White supremacy culture shows up in math classrooms when students are required to show their work. Math teachers ask students to show their work so teachers know what students are thinking. But that centers the teacher's need to understand rather than the student's learning becomes a crutch for teachers seeking to understand what students are thinking and less of a tool for students in learning how to process. Thus, requiring students to show their work reinforces worship of the written word as well as paternalism. Instead, ask other questions. That will demonstrate learning when it's not clear to you how students know the answer. Verbal example, classroom activity, professional development, after a variety of ways to demonstrate thinking and knowledge. Verbal example, classroom activity, professional development. Some schools in Oregon are being formed. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm rereading it. She retweeted her thing. The Oregon Department of Education blasted this out in their email to educators earlier this month. It's a huge thing. I'm not going to cover it. I downloaded it. It's just, it's the same old intersectionality tripe that we've read. Ironically, Chinese and Indian kids are not going to be taught like this. Only Anglo American countries like US, UK, and Canada are fertile ground for this ideology. Momo, aside from the obvious ridiculousness of this, the idea that asking a student to show their work is somehow for the teacher's benefit only is beyond stupid. The point is to have students walk through the steps to make sure she thinks it through. Getting an F is white supremacy. Give me straight A's or else. We live in incredible, stupid times. Yes, we do. Oh, yeah, we do, because that's not it. A progressive parent's rant about the politics surrounding school reopenings. It's another person. And in this article, and why I have it here, she literally says, hey, it's bad enough my kids are getting told every day they're fucking racist. Now they have to do it on Zoom. Where they can't defend themselves. That's our schooling system. But oh no, it gets stupider. Hot take. 
that genius who put Gorilla Glue in her hair, NBC blames oppression, trauma of black beauty standards. 10 TV, Missouri mother sends warning after aerosol can of dry shampoo explodes in her hot car. As a Missouri lady below found out on the hard way, that meant that although in her defense she left, she just left an aerosol can in her hot car too long, but you get the point. There are all sorts of warning labels on all sorts of products, many of us which fall somewhere in between common sense and downright silly. However, as most of us are aware by now, it appears that the makers of Gorilla Glue should have included a warning on their industrial strength glue. Do not apply to your body. The saga began when Louisiana resident Tasika Brown ran out of hairspray got to be glued. So Tasika did what any rational person would do. She sprayed Gorilla Spray. Jason Whitlock tweeted this thought about Tasika and her decision. An unstable person puts Gorilla Glue in her hair and it seems the media desperately want us to know about her. She's likely headed towards social media fame and reality TV bamboozled again. What am I missing here? Why is this written about in the New York Times? I don't get it. Are you a victim of Gorilla Glue became the skit? That's why I played it. But NBC says Gorilla Glue saga shows that beauty standards in black communities are deeply rooted in oppression. Real article. Serious shit. Because these fucking people are jackasses. NBCLX. The now viral Gorilla Glue saga is part of a larger story. Black female beauty standards and the societal pressure to accept the beauty is pain. From relaxers to braids and even weave sew-ins, pain is relatively common when it comes to styling black hair. And for a group that deals with the pressure of racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, ismisms, ozumisms, and obias, beauty standards in the community are deeply rooted in oppression in the past and present. Never being able to come close enough to the Eurocentral ideas of beauty, including white skin, straight hair, and slim features. Black aesthetics are constantly undervalued. Read more about how black community has fought back against Eurocentric beauty standards and why the pressure of unfair beauty standards might have led Tessica Brown to simply do what she had to do. What the actual fuck? You know, what they fail to realize is that we're all forced to watch African-American shows. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying, they shove black-centric stuff into everything because they think we're all a bunch of racists who don't have any black friends or no neighbors that are black. And they believe, what the left says all the time, that we're all just a bunch of fucking racists. Most of these motherfuckers wear a wig! So shut it! Shut it! They wear wigs! So they're not doing weaves and sew-ins and bullshit. They're wearing fucking wigs. Like, nobody's been forced to watch The Housewives of Atlanta. Shanene ain't got no hair. It's a fucking wig! But I don't know. We gotta keep it up so we can do shit like this. Plan to rename Confederate base names. Moves forward. They're going to change all the bases. Then we have another thing coming up. Seattle, Washington, ethno-mathematics program insatiated in 2019. 
Some real doozies in here, and it's worse than the first one. Critical praxis, shifting towards anti-racist math ed- education. It's basically becoming, you will not have to do anything. If you're African American, you just get to go. You're going to go at the station. Move on to the next one. You're going to get your EIB, whether you try or not. And it's fucking ridiculous. It's just fucking ridiculous. I pounded a coffee. I took a fucking Prilosec. Um, then we got museum. Evaluating culturally insensitive diorama depicting lions attacking a person of color. Stop treating people like a bunch of babies. Someone sent me this from Carnegie Museum of Natural History. Let me blow this shit up. These fucking people. This museum is studying this diorama to evaluate these concerns. A number of staff members, visitors, scholars, and industry colleagues have told us they consider this exhibit culturally insensitive because it depicts lions attacking a person of color. They probably put a person of color in there because somebody originally complained that they had white mannequins. I'd bet you a fucking dollar to a donut. The accuracy of this scientific content has been questioned and remains uncertain. The location of this work made it unavailable, unavoidable to those who do not wish to see it. We will not tell you how or if you ought to see this. We want everyone to understand the divergent ways that people experience this diorama. Empathy and understanding are part of what makes us human and can bring us closer together. Please view the diorama if you wish. The thing that's so funny about this, these people are so fucking mean. They treat everybody like garbage. They cancel people. They get people fired. They accuse them of being tower shooters. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You know I'm still talking to you, but you probably don't even watch. The point is, they're the most fucking idiotic people in the world. And they're the best actors. Because they can play, I'm so offended by a diorama of a wildebeest and the fucking people stabbing it. That we made dark skin because we made them white skin and we got called racists. Like 10 years ago. It was last year. Who the fuck knows? Pre-election year. Prestigious San Francisco High School to combat racism by selecting students based on skin color. And what does that mean? No more pre-admittance. If you're black, just sign up. You're in. Got D-grades? Big fucking deal. Doesn't make any sense. Fifth graders forced to celebrate black communism hold mock black power rally honor Angela Davis. This was a follow-up to the last podcast. It's gotten worse. They defended it and called you a racist if you said it was wrong. New York school encourages parents to become white traitors and white abolitionists. According to Christopher Rufo, a writer at the City Journal dedicated to covering critical race theory, the principal of Eastside Community School in New York sent out graphic detailing the eight types of whiteness. The graphic shows a scale of white identities ranging from good to bad. Good is considered being a white abolitionist, and bad is considered a white supremacist. Let's look at this. Mm. So over here, on the left as I'm looking at it, which makes it very interesting, is white supremacist, white voyeurism, white privilege, white benefit, white confessional, white critical, white traitor, white abolitionist. 
There is a regime of whiteness, and there are action-oriented while identities. People who identify with whiteness are one of these. It's about time we build an ethnography of whiteness since white people have been the ones writing about and governing others. Who's the racist now? Looks like you are. Hate being spooned in the name of patriotism. WAPO opinion attacks Anthem before games. East Coast University conduct anti-racist audit in libraries. We're book burning. Oh, that's fucking great. Jamel Hill condemns Anthem patriotic symbols used to weaponize against minorities. Let's read this one. Hill Diatribe was prompted, of course, because of the thing. One of the foremost directors of white supremacy in the United States, Hill, seen in a photo from past parents in the, the View, ranted the Mavericks should have held their ground because playing the anthem shouldn't be pregame ritual in American sports. Not during a time when many people, including many athletes of color, are deeply uncomfortable with how patriotic symbols have been weaponized to undermine and diminish the humanity of black and brown Americans. Hill further stated that the voices of those who are not present, represented by anthems have not been heard. It isn't clear what universe she's living in because those angry voices of protest have been frequently heard ever since Colin Kaepernick started spewing anti-American hate in the summer of 16. Violent, destructive BLM protesters have been burning and pillaging cities since then. Here's the reality. She fails to realize there's a whole lot of African Americans who fought for that flag and they don't see your bullshit. Jesus fucking Christ. San Francisco Police Commissioner calls man a Karen for complaining about out-of-control crime. It's a tweet. Because they don't do it anymore. San Francisco supervisor says lack of tourists has criminal now targeting the residents, and now they're upset about it. (laughs) But then Mark Lamont Hill lets it out of the bag. The Black Lives Matter explicitly looking to dismantle Israel and embrace BDS movement. And it sounded a little like this. This generation of activists is saying, no, let's defund. No, no, let's abolish. Let's imagine new possibilities. And one of the new possibilities that they've imagined um, is, an, is a world where that, that is anti-imperialist. That They don't want to just nation build, but they want a world make. And so Black Lives Matter very explicitly is talking about the dismantling of, um, of 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 a Zionist project, dismantling of a settler colonial project, and, and, and very explicitly embracing BDS on those grounds. So it's analytical. It's, it's tied. Our fates are tied up, but there's also a very clear political mission that I think um, is far more progressive or radical than we had even 20 years ago in the mainstream. For the record, he is yet to talk to Netanyahu. The VP's taking phone calls to all sorts of leaders, and he has. They've never talked to Israel. It says all you need to know. Top 10 school stuff for just this week. University of Washington launches Center for Anti-Racism and Nursing. Students at Georgetown, a Catholic school, feel unsafe by optional pro-life event. 
Claremont McKenna College will offer racially segregated mental health resources. Because I don't want a white person talking to me and getting in my brain. University of Wisconsin campus asked students to take 21-week equity challenge. UC Berkeley advised Chinese government on economic decisions. Elite San Francisco school nixes merit base. We covered it. Biden administration quietly drops Trump's proposal to track Chinese influence in U.S. schools. Even though the whole summer we had like 55 fucking people caught doing espionage. Teachers. More than 55. It's like five. Illinois might mandate teachers to embrace progressive viewpoints. Uh, in K through 12, Elon University hosts urgent white whites only caucus to protest complicity and racism. San Francisco school board spends hours debating whether gay father of mixed race daughter is diverse enough for all female volunteer group. But who's the racist? And our last policy before we close on media. Pasaki refuses to guarantee that taxpayer money and stimulus bill won't go towards abortions because abortions are so fucking important to these people. Killing motherfucking babies is what they do. Democratic Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs of California witnessed the Capitol riot during her fourth day on the job as a freshman lawmaker. Uh, but before uh, Washington, before running for office, she studied ways to prevent and counter violent extremism overseas. Uh, that was during the Obama years. Congresswoman, thank you for joining me. Of course. Great to be here with you. Uh, you also said in an interview with the 19th uh, News website this week that uh, the country needs a truth commission. What exactly would a truth commission be? So I think part of what we're seeing now is because we haven't really done the reckoning with the racial injustice and white supremacy of our past that we need to do. And so, you know, a truth commission, a lot of people will think of South Africa. We've used them in countries around the world. And basically what it is, is it's uh, communities all the way up to the national level having conversations about both the gory and the glory of our history and what happened both throughout the history of our country and leading up to and on January 6th so that we can come to a common narrative moving forward of what we want our country to be. All right, we're going to do a moment of zen after that fucking tomfoolery. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. In the past, those words would have been taken for granted. I wouldn't have even aired them for you. But not now. Not after four years of Trump's attacks. Biden uh, reiterating the obvious, stating the obvious, emphasizing the importance of the press is important. But I would tweak his words just a little bit. I would say it is essential. The press is essential. But it's also essential for the press to sometimes be adversarial, to sometimes be an adversary. Information crisis that has been perpetuated, in my view, by platforms like the one where we used to work, Facebook, as well as Twitter and others. 
It's really hard because what's happening is people are able to seek out the information that makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. That is what's happening is that you know, people have so much choice now. They can choose what their news sources are. They can choose what influencers they want to follow. Um, and, and they can try to seal out anything that que- helps them question that. And that, I think that gets to a, a really core issue uh, with how our freedoms as Americans and, and the way we have treated press freedom in, in the past is being abused by these actors. Um, in that we have given a lot of leeway, uh, both in the traditional media and on social media, to people to have a very broad range of political views. And it is now in the great economic interest of those individuals to become more and more radical. And I think that one of the places you can see this is on the the fact that you now have competitors to Fox News on their right, OANN and Newsmax, which are carried by all the major cable networks. who are trying to now outflank Fox on the right because the moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, immediately a bunch of people chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And they can do that both on cable, they can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of figuring out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. And can you, is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was when I started at Facebook in 2015. The number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State, um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the internet to recruit and radicalize young mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And the challenge is going to be partially that, you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States Congress. I just went straight into This Is America because this shit's uh, NPR on media show devotes an hour to slaying Fox. Dim Congresswoman, truth commission needed for common narrative. Look at right-wing media. What about this? Half of the New York Times employees feel they can't speak freely because of the, the cancel culture. And because they know if they put out articles with fucking... Okay, I'm going to stay happy. Woosa, 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 woosa. If they put truthful articles out, it's just going to get taken down. I mean, really look... To sum up this... this rant. It just symbolizes everything. Biden brings presidential PDA back to the White House. Historians and relationship experts agree the first couple's romantic gestures aren't just genuine. They're restorative. CNN blows the lid off of President Biden has expressed preference for fire built in the Oval Office. Hard-hitting historians and experts on a mission to rebuild institutional norms and help heal a hurting nation. Joe and Jill Biden are trying something novel after four years of Trump's. A little tenderness. Dr. Laura Brown, director of the... Hold on a second. Let's do this to fucking violence. Oh, we can just do it live. Where's some violence? Come on. Come on, computer. Where's the fucking... Give it... Give it! No, I'm in the wrong folder. 
bumpers, sorry, uh, segments, violins, 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 free for all. Yeah, sorry, we're doing this live because I didn't prep this and I don't want to push stop again. Violence. Uh, how about exclaimers? That's probably where it's at. This is America, and then it goes applause, extreme. Uh, fuck, man! I'm just striking the fuck out, so let's do this. Uh, dramatic music. We're just going to do it straight live, man. We're doing this shit fucking live! Oh, sorry, did I just... Did I just fucking... What was that guy's name? He had a show. I can't even remember. I never watched it. Um, now, what the fucking fuck was that? I I didn't want that shit. Uh, I don't want dramatic, um, sad music. Oh, loving music. Let's try that. Loving music. Yeah. Loving Oh, that's good. Endless love. We'll play endless love. Let's try that. That face that is usually covered by her phone has finally made it. There we go. Yeah, this is good. Endless love. Yeah, because we love Biden. Dr. Laura Brown, director of graduate school of political management at George Washington University, described the Trumps as famously cool, citing that several times a former first lady appeared to yank her hand away from her husband in public. The Bidens, by contrast, want very much to help the country back from what I think the Trump administration continually conveyed, which was that relationships and all of the presidency is transactional rather than transformational. A president's bearing a rhetoric are like the background music to the country, Brown argued, and PDA can be a key part of that soundtrack. Oh, I feel love. I mean, it doesn't seem to make them love the flag, love red states, love guns, love babies. They fucking hate babies. They some baby-killing motherfuckers! Dogs already in the lap with the AP's take on Joe Biden. Breaking. First dog news. Flotus will appear in video with Champ and Major there. At Camp David retreat, Biden hangs out. Shows he's got games. It is so good to have a real president on President's Day. That's a fucking AP. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. And how about this? Could we have done millions raised by Lincoln Project went to companies run by groups founders? They just pocketed millions of dollars. Lincoln Project still being warmly welcome to hit Trump on CNN. Rick Wilson. Here's the list of these people who got caught knowingly a guy was fucking little boys. And everybody knew it. But yeah, we still have him on. Rick Wilson on NBC's Dateline, Deadline White House. Kurt Banadine on MSDNC. Michael Steele on MSDNC. Kurt Banadine on MSDNC. Tara Sotmeyer on MSDNC. George Conway on MSDNC. George Conway and Anderson Cooper. George Conway and Anderson Cooper. Kurt Banadine on MSDNC. Yashir Ali, given all the investigations of political violations of federal law, I asked MSDNC if they plan on booking anyone associated with Lincoln Project per source. Well, continue to book guests who are associated with Lincoln Project as news warrants. Uh, 
Remember, this is one of their famous... In the capital rotunda, the remains of a brave man rest in a place of honor. His name was Officer Brian Sicknick. And Blood. he died a hero. Blood, wow. but he didn't die from being beaten. He died of a stroke. Going to take that down? Nope. Feels like manipulation to avoid responsibility. Steve Schmidt's statement on stepping down from Lincoln Project's a doozy. We covered it. It's a fucking lie. Megan McCain and the McCains distancing themselves all of a sudden. But they love those motherfuckers. Vehicle to drive generational wealth story the Lincoln Project tried to kill by releasing Jennifer Horn's private message. Here's the story the Lincoln Project tried to kill last night by releasing DMs between Amanda Becker and N.H. Jennifer. Please read it. Inside the Lincoln Project's Toxic. Here's just some excerpts. Another point of intersexual financial contention was the donor information the Lincoln Project amassed with ads that spread across social media. The specifics over who or which entity would own the data was not negotiated in advance, sources say, and the data market value grew and more and more people gave. A frequent quip from Schmidt overheard by multiple people was that the Lincoln Project was his vehicle to achieve generational wealth. You just know why McCain lost now. He surrounded himself by liberals. Of course you're going to lose. Oh, wait, there's more. A senior management squabble of how to divide the pieces of the project's financial pie. Dissatisfaction was growing within the organization's more junior ranks, which were made up of largely young and liberal staffers who said they had different standards than some of the group's leaders, citing Schmidt and Wilson specifically. There was a language used in both the Lincoln Project ads and within its workplace about gender and sexuality that made many of them uncomfortable. The dozens of interviews revealed. They were shitbags! But it's because anybody who hated Trump was in the cool people's table. And I want you to remember, we have spent a fucking four-year period saying, Mega people, you voted for them. You're in a cult. Is this a cult? Our government's now full of folks who are extraordinary. But I'm especially impressed by the new press secretary. She's gained a reputation for her brain in every session, as well as for the way she likes to use one pet expression. Circle back, Jen Saki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media that if a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Saki, you're no hack. Even when right-wingers go on the attack, you put them in their place with a smiling face. And with style and grace, that's how Jen Saki circles back. You're a bright, refreshing sight to see. And we love your chunky jewelry. You give facts, Jen Saki. You give facts about the helpful policies your boss enacts. And your all-women team is a feminist dream with the top talent decency attracts. Truth is back, Jen Saki. Truth is back. You don't care if schmucks on Fox are talking smack. When you're on TV, I can't wait to see how you patiently don't let jerks give you any flack. Now full of folks who are extraordinary. 
But I'm really? especially impressed really? by the new This is for real. She's gained a reputation for her. But they don't care that Biden's going to release 25,000. Point six. Illegal immigrants. Just dump them in Texas because they want to turn it blue. Oh, that Amazon has 103 hate items, serial killers, Nazi symbols, and terrorist flags. And they also don't want votes by mail for their union. They don't, they, they don't care. Why, why would they? What, what the f- They can't do it anymore. Graham, reporters glorify themselves into G.I. Joes. Fucking love that. Political math. I increasingly don't understand even the purpose of engaging any of the pro-cancellation arguments, even to refute them. The answer is, LOL, this is stupid, and then block the pro-cancel people and never think of them again. Jesse Single was who he was replying to. I'm also very against any sort of attack on academic freedoms and have written pieces defending Palestinian activities on New York City campuses, but I don't think David French argues compelling Columbia charges. Political math. A core component of the pro-cancel strategy is to get smart people to waste their time arguing against clear nonsense that has no founding principles, no respect for the power of words, and no consistency. Don't even do it. Just laugh them off. I had people trying to convince me that actually what Gina Carano did was outrageous, and there's a litany of her sins. I don't care. I don't care so much that I don't need to know what she said. I don't need to compare it to anything. I don't need to engage. It's stupid. Stop acting like pro-cancel people have reasons or principles or anything like a coherent philosophy. They don't. Don't flatter them. Reject the entire premise outright and save yourself some time. And he brings a great point. Everybody who threatens me with jabs or says things that I keep going back to because I'm buttered over it, I I leave them. I don't talk to them anymore. Because that's what this is all about. The people that hated Trump, some were just, they hate the guy. But the cult that spent their time drooling over op-eds from New York Times and WAPO and CNN, MSDNC, the hardcore leftists, Antifa, BLM people, people actually research and read all this intersectionality think and think there's some merit into it. They're the people that want to control what you think. And if you don't think like them, they will harm you. Now, it might be a stretch for a person saying a joke to me, But I've learned over the years, people like that, they want you to obey. And if I learned anything over my lifetime, the left are the fascists, and they fucking hate you. The red flag law for guns is just for them to be able to get people to not have guns. It'll be specious. It won't be grounded on facts. It won't be that somebody brandished a gun. It's what I always say. I'm on my deck after going to the range. I'm cleaning my AR. My neighbor calls the cops. They confiscate my guns. That's what red flags are. I've had people that are concerned. Well, why do you own an AR? Well, who the fuck are you to ask me what I do? I don't ask why you own anything. I don't give a fuck you own a goddamn goat. I don't care if you fuck a goat. I don't care if you want to become a goat. Why is it that people that are conservative are turning into the people that actually want everybody to be able to live their own fucking lives and all these liberals and never-Trumpers and the Lincoln Project type people who think Trump was such an aberration, just so horrible, 
They're the people who want to tell everybody how to shit. So I close after the cult with this article by Derek Hunter. And I know I'm way over today, but fuck it. It's three hours. The podcast won't be bad. The video will be abhorrent. It's time to hate them right back. It's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. For conservatives, Republicans, and pretty much anyone not sufficiently woke enough, the progressive left have made it clear they're slapping targets on their backs. They're coming for you. It's not now. If not now, very soon. If you aren't one of them, Democrats hate you. Hate you. It's time to hate them back. It was not a good week for Democrats. After a rough first day of President Trump's legal team, they beat the House impeachment managers like a redheaded stepchild. Speaking of redheads, White House Press Secretary Ginger Goebbels admitted the administration definition of reopening schools means half the people in this country open one day per week for at least some students. And New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, top A, confessed to state Democrats that they covered up his killing more nursing home residents than most countries have seen deaths because they were afraid the truth might damage them politically. If that weren't enough bad news for the left, their pet project imploded too. The Lincoln Project was exposed as a grooming gang, and at least one of the co-founders was pervert offering to trade sex with young boys for career advancement to nearly two dozen victims, the youngest being 14. After stern denials from everyone who made a fortune from getting organization, from grifting organization, reports are that they knew that it was an open secret ignored because the money was just too good. Naturally, CNN, MSDNC have mostly ignored these stories because you hate someone intensely enough, there's nothing anyone on your side can do capable of holding a candle to people who exist wrong. Doing bad things is acceptable if it's in the pursuit of people who are worse, and that's the whole TDS thing. Axios, a poorly written blog that posts outlines as news stories this week, posted a glimpse into the future plans of Democrats to rid the country of dissent. How to deprogram America extremists is a peek at not only what Democrats long to do, but how they view anyone who isn't them. And it's not pretty. It will take an all-out national effort to dismantle the radicalization pipeline that has painted conspiracy theories and the headlines of millions of Americans and inspired last month's attack on the Capitol, the piece opens. It's important to keep in mind the left is framing this as a targeted effort toward the very few people involved in the riot, but they really mean anyone who refuses to conform to their demands. The word extremist, like so many other Democrats have bastardized, means you. It doesn't mean BLM Antifa rioters spend a year killing people and destroying cities and riots in the name of justice, another word they've redefined. Any passive watching of cable news or reading of newspapers makes clear that if you voted for Trump or even just didn't vote for Joe Biden, you are an extremist. So what do they want to do? ban you from everything? The first Axial bullet point, keep keeping extremists out of the institutions where they could do real damage like the military, police departments, and legislatures. You're out! Don't think boys should be allowed to dominate girls' sports? Welcome to the extremist club. Believe life begins at conception? You're in. Like the idea of limited government? You're a fucking Nazi. The last one always struck me as odd since Hitler was a progressive socialist, but truth and history are now being rewritten in the pursuit of the power the left exists to obtain. While advocating a purge under the banner of tolerance, the left tips their hand. A purely punitive, security-minded approach alone is likely to prove ineffective and invasive at best, experts say. At worst, it would only fuel extremism's sense of persecution and push them closer to violence, they write. Instead, expert agrees serious resources need to be mustered toward providing an off-ramp for people who have been drawn into the extremist ideologies. 
re-education camps, anyone? They never define extremist. They leave it purposely vague to allow the reader to fill in the blanks. But they mean you. They won't start with you, but they won't stop till they get you. Never ones to let good crisis go to waste. Democrats are framing their desire to otherize any opposition to their agenda as a threat to the very existence of the country, while their agenda seeks to fundamentally transform the country into something it was especially treated, created not to be. They want more power. And if they could do horrible things to those who stand in the way and get it, so be it. They really do hate you. More than you know, it's time to hate them back. I 150 billion percent agree with that article. It was never about Trump. Remember, the people on your media... The Democrats believed after Barack Obama's 2012 win, they would never relinquish power in this country again. The demographics were changing. Whites were going to be in the minority. And even though there's anecdotal evidence that conservatives or Latinos are more conservative than fucking they believe, that blacks did vote for Trump at higher numbers than any Republican in a long time, they just believe they can get this monolith of Latinos and blacks to vote for them. Right now, they are executing the biggest change in America ever, and Armenia is writing about fires and Mario Kart and Trump. And Republicans, never Trumpers, people that hate the riots are feeding it. Why did I not spend on a lot of time on the riots? 200 motherfuckers doing something fucking wrong compared to thousands, 10,000 to be exact, who created $4 billion of damage that we know of 25 murdered citizens, 36 murdered cops, 2,000 injured officers nationwide. Well, that was way worse. And being that I know a thing or two about who runs the security of the Capitol, Browser and Pelosi knew it was going to happen, and they let it happen. And they let it happen so they could have politics. Nobody will go up there and say, why do we have 10-foot fences around no credible threats? When cornered, that's what they've said. There is no threat. Because they fear the public. Because they know what they're doing is extreme, and they're afraid extremists on the other side are going to do what they did. But when you break down this whole impeachment and find out nobody was armed, they doctored evidence, nobody got beat to death, nobody died, and 36 did all summer, you lose your argument. You just lose your argument. And then you find out the argument was just so you can implement 52 executive actions, radically change the country, and now you're going after people's guns. And that's why those fences are up. They're afraid when they implement their Beto O'Rourke failed dude from Texas plan and they start rounding up all those ARs, people are going to go extreme. But what they don't realize is the majority of us just won't turn them in. Do you think people are going to line up liberal, conservative, independent? Here's my gun. Knowing it's unconstitutional will be struck down by the Supreme Court. The sheer concept that you're going to take back 
Last I read, 5 million AR-15s in this country and bajillion fucking 30-round magazines. Fuck me running. Are you stupid? That's why they grandfather everything for gun laws. Because you can't go back and do it. <clears throat> and that's probably what it'll end up being. ARs will be banned going forward. The sale or manufacture of ARs will be done. Private sales and everything. The sale and manufacture of 30-round magazines will be done. And red flag laws will go in. A national license program and immunity be struck and we'll never have American gun manufacturers ever. But the people who are so scared of this because they're reading all these articles in the New York Times and believe there's so much extremism out there don't realize that's going to impact you. Because they haven't even started their defund yet. I mean, those crime stats we put on the show isn't, oh, look at this, fuck you Democrats. It's facts. Crime is rampant. Because cities aren't enforcing anything, and the Ferguson effect is completely in effect. If you are an officer right now after the last summer, would you get out of your car? I wouldn't. I'd cover my beat unless you're murdering somebody in the street. Oh, fucking well. That's why the fences are up. He's going after the guns. But what they fail... To realize that was a conglomerate of shitheads. Trump people, racist people, lefty people, Antifa people, BLM people. It was coordinated. It was executed. Pelosi knew it was going to happen. She let it go. So I say bring on a 9-11. Now granted, none of that will come to light. It'll all get buried. It'll be just like the 9-11 the first time. Yeah, it's really not the president's fault, but he's a bastard. They were in charge of the last one. And when they say outside, yeah, no. We won't be outside. It'll be liberal think tanks coming in. Some guy who was a liberal. It's just how they do it. They always do it. But they're doing it all so they can implement bullshit that is going to affect real lives. They're not going to fuck it for a second. Our media focus in on what happened in Texas this week. Frozen wasteland with renewable energy that fucking destroyed a state that has the most resources anywhere other than Alaska. But we can't get them. They want to cripple everybody. If you think that article I read about break the well of will of people who want to heat their house is a one-off, you're smoking fucking peyote. They will live in their house. They will fly their jets. They will charge their iPhones. You will suck a fat dick. Because you're a commoner. The one thing you can get out of both of these political parties is they don't give a flying fuck about you. That's why I'm an independent. They care about power. And the Democrats are seizing power that will never be relinquished. That's their plan. The media is on board. The institutions are on board. They have infiltrated every federal agency, every college, every high school with this the fucking religion of intersectionality. And that will destroy this country. Because when we start fucking judging people on what they look, who they fuck, we lose freedom. Accountability. 
in the meritocracy, where you can be a poor person, <clears throat> sell crack on a street, street corner, and become a mogul like Jay-Z. America is a great place. But when your starting point is, it's garbage, because our political ideology has always been, it's garbage. I mean, I could have played today an Adam 12 segment from a 1971 episode, and I'll probably do it next show, where some Black Panther type people are there lying about cop shootings and that their people were murdered like dogs. It sounded like this summer, and it was 50 fucking years ago. The lingo hasn't changed. It doesn't matter how much we've changed as a society. It doesn't matter how much we really have rooted out racism. It doesn't matter that we have so many EO laws that you really can't be that racist motherfucker firing people just because of who they are. Nope. That doesn't matter. We still, I'm so sorry, the the Huskies are going on a fucking tangent because the dog's in the yard. But we're still stuck in this same political diatribe that America is garbage. Because if they make you believe it's garbage, you keep voting for them because they're going to stop the garbage. But if you look at every Democrat city and every time a Democrat is president, have they ever stopped it? Or did they just politic off it? Immigration could have been solved ages ago. Nobody wants to. Abortion could have been solved. Take it to Supreme Court. <clears throat> you can't ban it, but states can have restrictions. All this stuff could be solved, but they're not going to solve it. Because if they do, they can't fearmonger off it. So this wraps up Flower Politic Podcast. Make sure you share this with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com to get the audio and video. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs And stay warm. We I was going to put my picture back up, but I can't because um, I took it down. Literally four more, three to four more inches tonight. It is a winter wonderland. It's snowing right now. Be safe out there. And tune back in. I might get a weekend one off, but I'm probably looking at Tuesday. Doing a podcast Tuesday after my doctor's appointment. So we'll look at that. For the video people, sorry, it's going to take a long time to load, but I wanted to get it all out there. For the audio people, this should be up on um, the website within a couple hours. So, as always, thanks for watching or listening, and you take care.